going on everybody it's your boy jordan and this is desmond and welcome to episode 69 of two black nerds that's right it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom pop culture and entertainment as always you can find two black nerds wherever you get your podcasts Mm -hmm. please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support and of course join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on twitter and instagram at two black nerds we appreciate that love y'all and let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at twoblacknerds.com go check out our two black sands collection inspired by dragon ball z we got t-shirts crew necks hoodie stickers mugs and dad hats so go ahead and place those orders right now on today's show we'll be reviewing the new horror film from james wan malignant of course we have to catch up with the latest episode of marvel studios what if plus we'll share our reactions to the big reveal from last week's playstation showcase event and discuss the life and legacy of the late michael k williams but before we get to any and all of that we're going to kick off today's show by talking about some music some brand new music that just dropped the long-awaited new project from drake certified lover boy now this is considered to be his sixth studio album and it was recently released on september 3rd and it was released by ovo sound and republic records there's many many guest appearances on this album including Lil dirk giveon jay-z travis scott young thug tims lil wayne rick ross kid cuddy so many people and he also did a, a huge sort of billboard promotional rollout uh, a few days before the album came out this past september 3rd basically in each city where all of these different guest appearance um these appearances are from these artists he just did a billboard sort of promotion and marketing to let them know who the features on the album were going to be um but this has been a, a very highly anticipated drake project mm-hmm. he hasn't put out an official studio album in over three years his last project was 2018 and scorpion of course last year we had dark lane demo tapes which was you know sort of like a mixtape considered by him and something that just had a collection of songs that he released and this is also an album that's been pushed back a lot we were supposed to initially get it in january of this year but because of his you know his injury that he had to rehab for he had to focus on that pushed it back a little bit more and we finally just got it this past labor day weekend so it's definitely one of those projects that people have been waiting for for a very long time obviously drake is one of the biggest artists in the world right. um, one of the most successful and commercial artists in the world so this was going to always be listened to by by a lot of listeners across the world so with all that said man yeah. What did you think about Certified Lover Boy? Man, man, man. People know me by now that I have been a Drake fan since people could be Drake fans. Since Aubrey Drake Graham was chilling on Degrassi. Since Wheelchair Jimmy was alive. Since Room for Improvement and Comeback Season was on that piff, I have been a Drake fan. Man, people don't even understand that So Far Gone and If You're Reading This Is Too Late came out on my birthday. Both of them. Crazy, right? insane oh wow it's like he did it for me i don't know it's crazy um <laughs> but um you know I've, I've been here a long time man and drake is going to be drake and certified lover boy has shown that he's one of the most successful people in of all time in the game he has broken several records 
uh, and you know, people, I think, understand that the man has just simply gotten too comfortable, and that is certified lover boy in a nutshell. Do I like it? Yes, I like almost every Drake album. Is it a classic? No, and that is the problem also with almost every Drake album is it's not a classic. Um, You know, I think every time, you know, I'm going to reiterate this again. Every time you hear uh, 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 Drake, a brand new album, you're like, cool, I like it. But you never leave it just going, man, that was it. Drake, you did it. I've only had that feeling a couple times. The first time I heard Take Care, I was like, man. I think he kind of did it with this one or, you know, or maybe uh, nothing was the same. I kind of felt the same way. I was like, dang, that dude was rapping the whole album or that J verse is crazy here. And you know what I mean? Like, man, this dude made a a, a great body of work. But ever since kind of ever since nothing was the same, he had been stuck um, in this in this in this loop of he's good at making music, but everything is now a glorified mixtape and that's every album if you're reading this is too late came out as a mixtape people still call it an album it's technically a mixtape he called it a mixtape if you look it up it says mixtape on it um but it but it feels like an album to people and that's a problem and there's a reason for that um drake has never leaned into the the idea of a concept album or uh again really staying focused ever since if you're reading this, is too late. He's always just kind of thrown tracks together and put them on the album. Um, and the closest we get to a feel is the seasons, right? More Life still sounds like summer. Uh, Scorpion still sounds really fall-ish to me, right? Um, but that's in a lot of ways is, as far as it goes. When I listen to Certified Lover Boy, man, a lot of these tracks could have been put on Scorpion and I might not know the difference. Um, and I think that that is a problem uh, uh, with Drake. Again, he's become too comfortable. And he is just in a place of um, just being stagnant, even though he's still amazing. A lot of the songs you're going to like, there's bros tracks on there. I'm like, yes, this is the Drake I love to listen to, whether it's the the time and location Drake. Everybody loves the time and location Drake. The 4 p.m. in Calabasas, the 9 a.m. in Dallas is then on this one. It's 7 a.m. Um, on a brittle path. Crazy. But, you know, it, it, it just what can you do to minimize that fluff, be, be more focused and give us some of those bars on other tracks and put them all on, you know, five less tracks in the album and give us that. Um, and and he didn't do that and he hasn't done that for a while. So uh, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you. But as of now, again, Certified Lover Boy, I like it. I do. I, I Again, I've never not liked the Drake album, but you have to be frustrated um, as a fan that you're the, an artist that you love and have always loved just doesn't have that desire to take the next step. Yeah, we're, we have definitely a few things to talk about with this album, the rollout, everything that surrounds it, of course. But ultimately, Drake's his success is almost as inevitable as as other things. We talk a lot about movies on this podcast, of course. His success is as, it's as inevitable as the Marvel Cinematic Universe in my eyes. Or if you want to make a sports comparison, Tom Brady. We know that like Tom Brady is going to win damn near every year. Drake's success is like the equivalent of that. Like you just know when he puts out a new project, people are going to listen to it. It's going to be on everybody's um, you know playlist. It's going to be on everybody's rotation. It's going to be on everybody's timeline. Um, it's it's pretty inescapable when he drops a new project to think that you're going to go on social media or to go outside and not hear about Drake's new music. It's kind of foolhardy at this point. Like you're absolutely going to hear it. And so it puts you in a really interesting place as like somebody who wants to hear more from him conceptually. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's where I fall. Uh, I think, you know, Drake, it has has reached just a, a level of success that that few rappers ever achieve in their right. careers, right? And his his consistent run over the course of these past 
12, 13 years in music has just been um, almost unprecedented. You know, again, there's really only a couple of other people you can probably throw in that conversation who's had the consistent success, you know, being at the top of their game for such a long time. And that that creates a really interesting conundrum because you respect his talent, you respect everything that he he's able to accomplish, and you know that he can put out good music because you can't sustain that type of success without putting out good music. Mm-hmm. And then there's the flip side of it where you just know that the formula of who he is as an artist and the music that he makes is never going to change. And two years ago when he did the interview with Rap Radar, they asked him about this whole idea of him not having a classic album. That's been a constant conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not Take Care is a classic, whether or not Nothing Was the Same was a classic and you know in his mind he absolutely believes he has a classic album and and in many people's minds they believe that as well but Mm -hmm. he addressed it by saying that his formula and his approach to making music it's gotten so expansive at this point he has so many different audiences that he has to tap into and to reach that to make a short concise really focused album is just out of the cards for him right and i remember hearing that for the first time and that just kind of woke me up thinking like you know what (laughs) I'm glad he said that because now I can adjust my expectations. Right. Anytime he puts out music, because I know he's just not going to go for that. He's never Mm going to go for that. And so I think at this point in his career to expect anything different, to expect him to go back to a really concise focused 15 or 14 song album, Mm -hmm. like he did with nothing with the, was the same. It's just kind of, it's just not going to really happen, and it's it's no real reason to expect that. Now right. that doesn't mean that we can't criticize still, you know, the things that we that we that we want out of him to see more of. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I think it just it just helps us manage what we what we look for in a Drake project at this point. And I pretty much agree with you. The music is good. Like, there's nothing here. Well, there's I shouldn't say that. There's definitely a couple things that I think are just like flat out bad. But for the most part, it's good music. Like, there's no reason that a lot of these songs won't be successful. They won't get a lot of radio play. Of course, you won't. You'll you'll hear them in many different you know scenarios whether it's outside at a barbecue or in a stripper club like whatever it might be he makes music for so many different demographics you're gonna hear the music in so many types of environments and places and all of these things and that's kind of you know part of his genius but at the same time like drake is the type of person where he's not changing for the world like the world changes around him all Mm -hmm. the things that happen in the world change around him but he's not changing any of that stuff and most of his fans like that you know and i think what surprises and confuses me the most is how many people are okay with that because we do have these artists out here that put a lot of effort into their albums and their rollout and the aesthetic choices and the creative choices. Mm -hmm. You can just see the thought process. And with Drake, it's usually just a collection of songs. And, you know, what I'll mention before I turn it back over to you, and I think this is like a part of the conversation too, you talked a lot about, you know, just the the, the delineation of like what we consider his projects to be, whether or not if you're right. reading this as an album or a mixtape or whether or not More Life is a playlist or an album, all these mm-hmm. different terminologies that he throws out like it's it, it just becomes confusing right what, what what is anything anymore and i think a lot of a lot of that is by his own making it's by his design mm-hmm. I, I remember in 2015 when he first signed that deal with apple that that streaming deal and if you're reading this is too late dropped that year and then that same year what a time to be alive dropped um that was really i think the turning point for drake and yeah. he kind of he himself like destroyed this concept of like him being an album artist Mm. it it, it was no longer about that for him other people absolutely still move that way right but he really opened the floodgates to say like you know music is music i could put out an ep i could put out like scary hours and scary hours too it'll be two or three songs and they're gonna be just as successful as anything i put out on a full length 85 90 minute album Mm -hmm. and so even the idea of that it makes it hard to even critique this for me because it's like he just puts out music it's not even 
Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's called Certified Lover Boy. He's been hyping it up. It's his sixth studio album, quote-unquote. But what does that really mean for Drake anymore? Right. You know, because it's as significant in my eyes as what he would do with a Scary Hours 2 or what he would do with the Dark Lane demo tapes. Because at the end of the day, I mm-hmm. feel like we're only going to get a few songs out of the whole collection that, that are actually going to resonate and stick around. So um, I think that's kind of an interesting point to talk about. I mean, you know, diving more into that, like what what is it about him that just like veers away from this concept of like making a conceptual album, like with a theme and a focus, where whereas he actually just makes really just collection of songs that that speak to all of these demographics that he that he talks to whether it's the r&b crowd or the straight Mm -hmm. rap crowd or if it's delivering these these really epic features or doing the more afrobeat style that he does like why is he leaning in that direction as opposed to making an album that's probably more in line with a take here or a nothing was the same he's not necessarily making music anymore because that's just something he loves to do for himself it's something that he now loves to do uh, uh, maybe more so for his pockets, first and foremost, right? I mean, if you literally take almost any Drake album, there's going to be some some bangers somewhere on the album, right? You take Views, which is one of his most critically bashed albums, right? There is One Dance, Controller, uh, uh, Hotline Bling, you know what I mean? There's, there's all <laughs> so many singles on there. Um, and I think he has just, again, gotten away from wanting to do for himself um, I can just imagine being a music artist and people loving music first and foremost and I think again he's gotten away from that he now has the clout he now has um, um, the lifestyle where he always I don't know uh, uh, he can have fun don't get me wrong he, he definitely can but being able to to dig deeper I think into what he has going on in his life just isn't part of a lot of his albums anymore because even I don't know if if one point for him comes up, that's like what he's talking about for the rest of the year. Like uh, ever since his son has been brought up, Scorpion's talking about it. He brings him up and certified lover boy constantly. But like, what, what is, where's the deeper meanings, Drake? What are, why don't you talk about, I don't know, just something deeper going on with you. And I I really do think it's just because he, that's not his formula. You know, you talked about it earlier that he said he's, he has no desire uh, to do that because he's thinking about other people. He's like, I have to make music for too many crowds, but why, why don't you make music Mm. for you? And Mm -hmm. I, and and I think that's the issue because, because when you start making music for you, it becomes more focused or it becomes more centralized. Right. Um, I have to compare right now because it's another one of the best, uh, good albums. Isaiah Rashad's the house is burning, right? It became conceptual for him because that is literally, it's literally about something like he had an experience with this and that is what the the album is about. The house is burning. Are you going to sit there and watch the house burn or are you going to go? do something after the house burned down, right? You either stay in the house or you go out and you start li- continue to live your life. Certified Lover Boy, I think when a lot of us uh, uh, read or heard the title, we thought we were going to get, I don't know, Drake stripper anthems all throughout the, uh, the album. I know that's what I thought just because that's what the name of the album is, you know? Like some, a lot of his album cover or titles are a little more ambiguous where like more life, what the hell does that mean? I mean, okay. Uh, I guess, you know, like if you say so, um, even nothing was the same, even as much as I love it, you're like, okay, I think I get it, you know, after you're listening to it, but Certified Lover Boy is like the first title that I was like, man, this might actually have, you know, something, uh, something going on, but you know, it, it, it turns out it's just another kind of fluff title to get people reeled in uh, as a gimmick for him to make money, man. And so 
uh, I think that's really it. Once he goes back to making music for himself, I think that that that's the only uh, that's the only time where things will change. You would think that a like a major life changing event would prompt him to want to make something that's a little bit more focused and. We know that he, you know, his son has become like, this has been public knowledge that he has a son now. He's brought his son out into public public with him many, many different times and being a co-parent and in that situation. Ever since the release of his last album, that's now become um, obviously something that's more known, I think, to, to his audience and to his fans. And mm-hmm. you would think that maybe he would lean into more of something that deals with that. But a- anytime he does mention his son on this album and, and talks about fatherhood, it just feels hollow. It just feels very surface level. It doesn't go deeper, you know, so I, I'm glad you actually mentioned that and another thing i'm just going to get into the comparison game as well because look it's rap and that's that's just what happens but you know when you have people that that put in the thought and effort into their albums and their rollouts like an isaiah rashad or even you know so far my favorite album of this year that we talked about call me if you get lost tyler the creator there's just so much thought and intention you know attention put behind what he does as a musician yeah. and as, an, as an artist and of course like tyler and drake are on completely different goals and paths like they're they're really not the same at all right Mm -hmm. but i think it's worth saying that you still have an artist like tyler who is huge he is extremely famous and and has a rabid fan base and of course like drake was also at camp flognog a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and so these are two people that are cool with each other and you have like tyler who is just so intentional and so thoughtful about what he's not only rapping about but also how it just looks Mm -hmm. how it feels what are you what are are we supposed to feel as an audience all of his videos have the same aesthetic not saying that that has to be the case but there's obviously intention behind that Mm -hmm. we talked about even like his bet award performance like the the set design and the production design of what that was all like and we just know that with drake we're not really going to get any of that stuff Mm -hmm. um and and so much of his so much of his effort is placed behind becoming like a real life walking meme yeah it it seems like from from the (laughs) album cover which we see gets regenerated by all these corporations and companies as a way to you know get likes and clicks to even the words that he raps, you know, he he's the king of the of the Instagram caption. Um, he's the king of passive aggressiveness. He's the king of being petty, um, saying saying the shit that, that 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 turns into like a risky text mm-hmm. that somebody might send. Like right. all of that stuff is like him being really in his bag. But he's been doing that for so long now. You know mm-hmm. that that's been that's been the sort of established aesthetic of Drake for at least five or six years at this point. Ever since social media and streaming and all of this stuff has become really big parts of the conversation and it it just takes me back to a time like i feel like we've been listening to drake albums from a big release standpoint since since take care like i, I visibly right. visibly remember like being on twitter when take care came mm-hmm. out and and like everybody tweeting about that yeah and the experience i got from listening to that where it felt like we're listening to something really important right now mm-hmm. from one of, at the time, he was go- going to be one of the biggest artists. Right. Um, to now listening to somebody who has absolutely ascended the throne multiple times over. Mm-hmm. And I'm just no longer excited. You know, I can't even, it, again, it's just hard for me to even judge this as an album because I'm like, okay, we just got new Drake songs to just like bop, like a few new songs. Right. And most of them I'm, I'm not going to listen to again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny how Scorpion is a double disc album. It's 90 minutes. Well, this is 86 minutes. It's only four minutes less than Scorpion. <laughs> and it's considered one album. So, I mean, just add one song and it's going to be the same length as Scorpion, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of crazy to me to think about that. I feel like there's so many throwaways, mm-hmm. so many things that I just won't revisit. Um, we, we, let's talk about some of these, like, tracks that we don't like or do like. What? Let, let's start with, like, some of the goods. Are, are there any standout tracks for you that you feel like you will revisit that you can see yourself playing multiple times over? 
Uh, yeah, man, the first two for sure. I really like Champagne Poetry and Poppy's Home. I think those are really good songs. Um, honestly, we could just go down the list to be honest, bro. When it gets to track three, Girls Want Girls, uh, it's like, what are we even talking about? Um, it it's one of those things where like first you're like you're bobbing your head and then you start to listen and and this man says some wild stuff like the girl the girl told me told her yeah the girl told me i'm a lesbian well i said me too and you're like i don't think that line does what you wanted to do drake like i think i i i I see the idea but it's not a good idea it's Um, pretty low it's pretty low and the, the the lyrics are just i yeah whatever man um and the bible is one of those meh tracks right i mean uh dirk has been killing it lately Gibeon, of course has been killing it lately but it's just i don't know some tracks you just don't feel right i think another track uh i actually don't mind love all you know jay-z came through it's a better verse than he gave on donda <laughs> which is kind of crazy like jay's supposed <laughs> to be supposed to be closer to, to kanye than he is to drake hey, obviously the past few sides. years have been different but uh that verse he gave to kanye just wasn't shit hey. and here he is delivering a pretty great verse. He probably on, on didn't record all. it at 4 a.m. Um, in the morning. That it's, too. This is probably what happened. This is probably that, old. That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, fair trade with Trav, man. Trav, Trav has never really been known for like as a great like uh, featured artist. Like a lot of songs he's featured on, you're like, eh. There's a couple, right? He has a couple, but other than other than that, you're never like really excited um for for a, a, a trap feature way too sexy of course is like the big hit that we have on this album i guess um Th- I, this is a bad song in my opinion <laughs> i think this is like an awful i, I like I, I know it's big it's obviously caught on we see all of the the the, the tweets and the captions like i'm too sexy for insert whatever mm-hmm. here like yeah. the video is ridiculously over the top good video actually mm-hmm. you know we i like know, the video Drake can definitely be self-deprecating and make fun of himself. Like he's he's gotten used and accustomed to that. But the song itself is ass. Like we cannot the the original song, I'm yeah. too sexy, is not a good song. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that that wasn't something that I that I ever was like, oh yeah, that's a great song to sample. <laughs> and here we are, like spinning it and trying to make it like trendy and it's just that's just not it. I just cannot do it. I cannot that it feels just so corny to me. <laughs> it is, man. Uh but shout out to Kawhi for being in the video. Um, oh shout out for the uh, the inspirations in that video too. I think that was, that was good cultural references they came up with for that video. I enjoyed them, um, but yeah, uh, again, like you said, meme, just memeable stuff. He, he he's good making fun of himself. Uh, TSU, which I've actually been listening to for a long time, personally. Yeah, because uh, not around. Yeah, it was called Not Around. Yeah. It was elite. Um, so mm-hmm. I always like that song. Like there's nothing I can do about it because I've been listening to it for a long time. So. Whatever. In Too Deep is better than Way Too Sexy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Easy. Pipe Down is a song I like. I will revisit Pipe Down. Um, Beasted. Yeah, but Heartbreak. Good. Uh, no Friends in the Industry? No. Because he's made better versions of that song. Like, and I, I, that's why I don't get... You could just delete it, and nobody, I think, will just... You know, nobody will bat an eye if delete that song. No. Knife, ta- Knife Talk, also one of the better songs. I mean, Project Pat, 21 Savage. It was... It was meant to be a hit, uh, I think, on the album, um, and I appreciate that. 7 a.m. on a brittle path. Uh, I just told you I like that. So I like any location and time Drake song because he kills it to me every time. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Imagine if I got this Drake for like 10, 10 tracks. In fact, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a playlist after this. This is going to be all the the time. There's enough Drake. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty now. That's going to make my own Drake, uh, Drake album off of that. Uh, Race my mind. Eh. I mean, whatever. 
Fountains is good without Drake on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it should have just been a Tim song. It should have been a like, Tim song. Because as, soon, yeah, as, it gets to her, as soon as it gets to her, you're jamming. Uh, get Along Better. Uh, I, to be honest, I don't remember what the song sounds like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember what it sounds like. You Only Live Twice. I mean, got Wayne and Ross. Of course, they were going to bring. The only reason this song is weird is because it doesn't match after Get Along Better. Like, I remember listening nah. to it and be like, what was that transition? It is not. This is how I know this is like a glorified mixtape because there was no. They, they went back in time to like 2011 with the sound of your. It's a good. It's a good song, but yeah. it definitely sounds like take care. Nothing was the same. And I, era. And I wish they set up for that. Like you can set up yeah. for that and make it fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just got to do the work, and they didn't do the work. Um, fucking fans. What I, I guess like I don't even. Nah, bro. That's just another throwaway. Uh, I do. I do like the remorse. So that's like. We really, I really only said like seven out of twenty-one tracks. <laughs> That's like, you know, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Of, ratio. It's not a good ratio. It's a lot of always on here, but uh, you know, I still listen to it beginning to end because I'm a music nerd. But other than that, man, I yeah, but certified lover boy, he just you know, it's just like Scorpion to me. It's like Scorpion too. Pretty much, it does. It does absolutely feel in that same vein. I, I remember even Scorpion. It, it, it was supposed to be like the conceptual aspect of it was like oh one one side is going to be purely hip-hop one side is going to be r&b and he mm-hmm. kind of tried to do that although i think like it just becomes so jumbled at the end of the day where it's like it's hard to it's hard to, to distinguish what's what right yeah. because you only do get like those seven or eight songs out of the you know the 23 that he puts out that like really really <laughs> hit and resonate right um and i feel like it's the same here the the first half of the album i definitely feel like it's better than the second half like, absolutely a lot of the songs you named yeah you, that, that i will go back and listen to i'm like yeah champagne poetry great poppy song great yep. um couple of duds in there i like the love all track yep. um the tsu like you mentioned i mean mm-hmm. problematic as it may be with the with, with the reference yeah that that was that was out a year ago or over a year ago really at mm-hmm. this point so it's one of those songs that i've already been sort of uh indebted to and 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 then it just got it kind of gets a little it kind of gets a little shaky once you get into the second half of that album there's just like so much happening so many different sounds that he's going for um so i I, you know it it is what it is really it's just it's another drake project it's Mm -hmm. it's already hugely successful i think it sold over like six hundred thousand album equivalent units in the first week we 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 knew that it was going to have the biggest streams opening day streams for spotify and apple we knew all of that that was again that was just an inevitability Mm -hmm. he is absolutely like the franchise player in hip-hop his success is absolutely just warranted and it's going to happen but when it comes to like the quality of his music i just wish that there was more thought and effort put into it um but i guess i guess we can't be all that surprised because he told us like dead ass like this is what this is the type of artist that i am mm-hmm. um you're gonna get you're gonna get an album that's gonna be like 90 minutes long and probably out of that i'll have six or seven songs that i can add to my set tour list when mm-hmm. i go when i go on the road you yeah. know those big big epic anthems um and that's what that leaves us with um there's also like this other aspect to it right like there's this and i hate to even bring this up but i think it's a part of it right like there's this whole kanye west relationship thing that's been going on forever now right they they were beefing at the time of scorpion it's still apparently a thing here drake takes shots at kanye apparently on uh, 7 a.m on brittle path like that's a thing Mm -hmm. um and even kanye having donned a release you know a week before this kind of signals that there's definitely still tension like we're, we're gonna compete on some level here with with our album rollouts um, and then and then Drake made an interesting move. He leaked a song that Kanye West made with Andre 3000 that was supposed to be on Donda that did not end up making the final cut. Um, it's called Life of the Party. And 
by the way that it was explained to us, this was also like a conceptual song about mm-hmm. motherhood, right? Like Kanye was supposed to be talking about his mother, obviously right. the passing of her. The album is named after her, of course. Mm-hmm. Andre 3000 has since come out and talked about how he was approached by Kanye and what this was going to be, what the, what the you know purpose of the song was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out on the track, Kanye took some shots at mm-hmm. Drake, you know, here and there, and uh, Drake for some reason decided to leak it. Uh, I, I guess it's a chess move. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. What I do know is that that Life of the Party song, although we'll probably never get the CDQ version of it, right? I think it's a phenomenal track. Absolutely. Phenomenal song. Yeah. The production is ridiculous. <laughs> it honestly, if they put it on Donda, that would have easily been my favorite song <laughs> by yeah. far. Mm-hmm. And and when, we, when you're comparing it to what we got on Certified Loverboy, I mean... It feels like a, it could have. It really could have been like in a class of its own in terms of like a Kanye West song yeah. featuring Andre 3000. Of course, anytime we get a verse from him, it's like we all bow down basically at yeah. this point. On top of the fact that it's a it's a legitimately great verse, so not really sure of the strategy there. But I, I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, is your thoughts on this whole this whole just conflict they got going on? The fact that they got their albums coming out so closely together. There's still tension. There's shots being thrown on both sides. There's leaked tracks. There's all this history. What happens from here? Does this ever get resolved? Are they just going to keep doing this roundabout circle thing? Are we just watching like... It's just weird because like you got two artists that are... In my eyes, they're past their prime. Like mm-hmm. their peak, peak prime. Mm-hmm. Like yes, Drake's commercial success probably will only continue to go upward. Mm-hmm. But in terms of his creative prime, I think we're past that. Yeah. Same with Kanye. And they're just like going back and forth like at this <laughs> point. So I'm just kind of curious as to what... what where, where do we go from here with this whole thing? Man, it's so... This whole ordeal, man, is just ridiculous. First and foremost, I have to be upset that the only reason we'll never get that track is because of Ye. Like, uh, like Andre 3000 heard the final track and he was like, bro, no. Like, mm-hmm. I literally came on this song because you said we'd be talking about our mothers. Um, and I think that, that actually like pisses me off a little bit, right? Because I can just imagine as an artist, somebody approaches you with an amazing beat. You're literally Andre 3000, a legend. Every time you make a verse, it's like the verse of the year. Um, and so you actually get an opportunity to work with somebody you've been wanting to work with for a very long time and you have to throw the track away because you become a part of their like childish mess. Um, and I, that's just, that's, of course it's frustrating for him, but it's also frustrating for us because it's like, yay, blocking our blessings as music listeners and blocking his own blessings because the song's never going to come out. Like we're, we're never going to hear. Um, it's just like everyone loses, you know? uh yeah (laughs) just everybody loses um and it and i i really don't understand where drake was going uh with any of that because i like what what's the point i i don't know i legit don't get the point of drake leaking it if anything because one it's a great song it would be maybe it's different if it's like damn this is trash but because it's like no, Ye was going crazy. Uh, first and foremost, like Ye was going crazy. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> like Ye, I ain't heard Ye rap like that in a minute. Like he was actually eating the, the entire thing. Um, and so I, I, I just simply cannot get the mindset that Drake was in to leak such a track. Was it, was it the he just wanted people to know it existed? Like maybe that was it because maybe a lot of people wouldn't have known it existed unless unless Drake. Um, did that but I, it's all in the spirit of being messy right that, that, that has to be what it is um, I don't know where this is going man I don't know if they'll ever make up I mean if Jay and Ye can make up maybe Drake and Ye can make up who knows but again at this point like you said they're, they're past their 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 uh, artistic or creative primes um, 
but maybe you know they can make up at the barbecue or something right they're like the they're, they're like uncles at this point that's like come on y'all y'all can at some point they y'all gotta i don't know make some ribs together or drink a beer and, and talk about what's going on because y'all you're you're too simply too good for this like mm-hmm. like le- when people say they're too good for something you're like oh yeah they're too good but like no y'all are legends like this doesn't make any sense stop it <laughs> that's why i want to say stop it hit them with a newspaper spray them with a water bottle everybody stop it um because it's all childish at this point so yeah i have no idea where it's going but i hope they take the beef and grill it up and eat it because it's time for it to stop. <laughs> yeah, it would it would be different if the music that we were getting uh, on both ends was amazing. If this was like an equal battle to some extent, I mean, I, I guess the, the 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 best compare or I don't know the best way that you can like match them up is by their rabid fan bases. Like mm-hmm. Kanye stands are gonna stand for him forever yeah. and that's the same for drake you know as mm-hmm. well like their fan bases are extremely loyal um and that's probably the the biggest matchup that you can do because yeah. yeah at this point they, they they make completely separate and different music from each other um their success is also on you know somewhat different ends at this point mm-hmm. uh it's yeah it's just a shame at the point that we're losing out on a really good song featuring andre 3000 who who's not just going to roll out of bed for anybody. Like right. he's going to, he's going to actually put an effort to the people, like you mentioned that he want to work with. And like the letter that he put out, like talking about yeah. like, I, I wish I could have been on certified lover boy. I wish I could work with Drake and Kendrick and Cole, like all these people that inspire me. And for him to say that, like Bruh. Andre doesn't have to say that he at all. Like, bro, he's been around for like almost 30 years at this point, And his legacy was solidified 20 years ago. Um, so for him to even say that and to call out those specific names, it's just like, Oh wow! Now, now at this point, I'm like Kendrick, bro. Like, get on the phone, like right now. Get him on, Please. whatever this now is. Hey. Like, I, I hope Kendrick immediately reached out to him after that and was oh, like, you know what, man. you can you you can avoid all this bullshit. You ain't got to worry, <laughs> worry about any of that coming over here. We just gonna make music, bro. We just gonna make some fire ass music, and it's gonna be on Kendrick's next album. I'm just hoping yeah. that that's the case because we mm-hmm. we should get it at this point. Like, why why rob ourselves of that, and why have you know some selfish petty shit between two artists like right rob us of those moments because you know we yeah we, we should be we should be celebrating mm-hmm. all of these people at this point instead of like like the beef was a, it was fine three years ago when it was like fresh and new and you know the whole push of shit was involved but at this point it's just like it's tired it's yeah. old like let's 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 move on mm-hmm. please so i hope we do like you mentioned let's just let's just get past it but we said a lot on Certified Lover Boy. Obviously, this this record will continue to do big, big numbers. And, of course, you know, the conversation will continue. So if you've heard this album, obviously you have. Definitely hit us up. Let us know what you think about Drake's sixth studio album. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about some things that we've seen and review some movies and TV. First up, we got to talk about the latest horror film from James Wan himself, Malignant. I'm having Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders as they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. 
Getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. Now, as I mentioned, this movie is directed by James Wan, and it's written by Akilah Cooper, and it's starring Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, George Young, and Nicole Brianna White. Now, this film just recently premiered in theaters and on HBO Max. As we know, earlier this year, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It was released, and of course, that's a franchise that James Wan himself started with the first two Conjuring movies, and that spun out into many spinoff films, mm -hmm. such as Annabelle and The Nun and things of that nature. He's also responsible for kicking off the Saw franchise with Lita Wanell all the way back in 2004 that's also still happening and going today we just saw spiral earlier this year this man also kicked off insidious which is its own franchise and has had three subsequent sequels i'm sure they're going to make another one at some point so yeah. obviously the master of horror for the for the new millennium mm -hmm. um between between the early 2000s even till today but he's also been able to spin off and tackle big franchise blockbusters you yeah. know he did furious seven and aquaman i mean talk about a hell of a back-to-back -back right there two billion dollar plus movies um that 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 leans completely into the over the top nature of both of those both of those properties and now he's coming back to the genre that pretty much put him on the map with this mm -hmm. new film malignant um and it just again it came out recently on hbo max and in theaters so i know a lot of people have been able to check it out at home if they haven't been able to make it out to a theater so with all of that said man i just want to pass it over to you what did you think about malignant you know um maybe we should do this backwards you know because this is such a divisive horror film i think uh, people, people should know that we're on two separate spectrums here. So I think we should argue yes. the negative first. Here we go, pulling out my debate out. We should argue the negative first, and then I will argue the affirmative. So I think you should go first. That's fair enough. I can absolutely do that. So, um, yeah, listen, Malignant is something I was extremely excited about. Obviously, we talked about it several times throughout this year. And again, looking at James Wan's track, track record, it's there's no reason to believe it wouldn't be something to be enjoyable. Mm. Obviously, him creating all of these these huge horror franchises and really redefining what it was going to look like um, for, for new audiences. And, and, and we've associated him a lot with um, jump scares and haunted houses and demonic possessions and supernatural stuff. A lot of his, a lot of his horror films have, you know, sort of leaned into that, especially with The Conjuring and Insidious, which sort of redefined the haunted house exorcism demonic possession movie for this new generation. Mm -hmm. And with Malignant, he's intentionally going in a direction that's allowing him to reinvent himself because he's not going for those aesthetics at all like this is completely different than what you'll see with the conjuring or insidious which i can appreciate that because 
In actuality, I think that Malignant has more in common with what he's done with big blockbusters than mm. it does with his other horror films. Like, mm. Furious 7 and Aquaman are campy, goofy, over-the-top right. action blockbusters. And they're self-aware of that. Like, they're mm-hmm. supposed to be that, right? Like, we're not going out to make Citizen Kane for the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise or for DC. Like, that's not what he's doing. He's right. leaning into the fact that these are just completely nonsensical types of movies. And so he's making them for the widest audience possible. And they'll, they'll end up being an enjoyable, you know, an enjoyable experience for hundreds of millions of people that go to pay to see them. And mm-hmm. so I think that Malignant is taking a lot of those sensibilities and bringing it into this into this new project that he's developing just on a smaller scale. You know, him wanting right. to return to a smaller scale to do something that didn't cost 200, 250 million dollars and to really ground him back into what he's probably most familiar with and what he's most excited about. Um, so there's definitely a, a level of self-aware absurdity that 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 exists within this movie and it, I can appreciate all of that creative energy. I can appreciate him going for that because I appreciated what he did with um, these bigger movies like Fury 7 and Aquaman. Right. The problem for me just comes down to the execution. Mm -hmm. I think that ultimately the way that the film pans out over the course of its almost two hour running time, it just didn't work for me on an execution standpoint. And... I, I left the, the, the end of the movie just feeling unsatisfied because mm. I knew what he was trying to do. I knew what he was going for. And there's definitely a twist in this movie that we, you know, we won't spoil per se, but there's a twist that happens in this movie that's extremely intentional. There's a lot of suspense and tension that has to build up to lead to this twist to make it all make sense. And so I get all of that. But the execution in and of itself just didn't work for me. Um, and, and, you know, to come to find out, like, this movie's very much inspired by, again, horror movies that don't, that don't really lean into jump scares. It's not about like possession necessarily or mm-hmm. haunted houses. Like it's it's much different. Like this is actually inspired by like Jalo Italian supernatural horror movies of the seventies. Like when that was like a really popular subgenre mm-hmm. in the seventies. It's really inspired by that, and those have very specific aesthetics. Like we can even see in the marketing for Malignant, like the use of red lighting, the the, the mm-hmm. moody atmosphere. That's very much like inspired by the Jalo. Um, Italian horror films of the 70s and this movie actually has a lot in common with Brian De Palma's Sisters which came out in 72 Mm -hmm. Um, and and Juan himself spoke a lot about how Brian De Palma was very much an an inspiration to him with films like Dress to Kill and Sisters which those are both like really really good movies that people should see Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely again get what he's going for I understand the the creative and aesthetic choices here it's just the execution didn't work for me I felt like it could have been shorter because with the twist I think that we just meandered around for really too long of a time to get to where we needed to be and then by the time you do get to the end of the movie it goes in in a completely different direction it becomes just so goofy and ridiculous and wild and over the top where it's like i would enjoy this if we got to it a little bit sooner Mm -hmm. and if it actually felt like there was a payoff here but it didn't it didn't necessarily feel like a payoff like it was a twist but it wasn't something that i was actually excited about unfortunately yeah maybe if it was 90 minutes or 95 minutes as opposed to 114 115 minutes we could have gotten there a little bit quicker we could have done a little bit more um a little bit more of a faster paced style to this film it could have just worked out better but it just didn't work for me by the end. And I actually found myself like in the second act of this movie, it felt like it really dragged a lot. I was mm-hmm. actually like bored for, for a substantial amount of time. I was into it at first. 
and then we get into the second act and i'm just like, okay where are we going with this and then by the third act they hit you with the they hit you with the surprise um but by that point i was i was already checked out you know and it just didn't yeah. work for me so i'm you know there's more to say we'll talk about it of course but those are just my initial thoughts i just i just don't ultimately think it worked mm-hmm. I, I know what he was going for i like the inspiration and what he was trying to do and i also like him trying to subvert expectations about who he is as a director yeah i just feel like the actual execution of the film just didn't pan out yeah man uh, uh i get all of that that all makes sense to me um but some of that stuff i was like yes this is such a fun movie is it perfect no are there missteps absolutely but i think a mix between what he was trying to do and the experience that i felt in the theater because i did go see it in a theater was just really fun for me um of course the first half of the movie is intentionally bad uh and you're and 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 you know i think to a normal um everyday you know, movie watcher, they're like, what the hell is this? But I think because I'm such a James Wan fan and I understand what he's done, uh, I understand Dead Silence. He's like single-handedly like changed horror like twice. <laughs> Once when Saul came out and then again when The Conjuring came out and Insidious came out. Uh, and so, you know, you when as I'm watching, I'm like, he, there has to be a reason um, for everything that he's doing in this film. He just doesn't I don't know, make a bad movie on purpose, right? Like, there has to be a reason. It's extremely campy. Um, and, it, and it does go closer to, to for me, like a, a, a dead silence. I can tell he was pulling kind of from from his origins a little bit. There's, there is Saw in this movie. Um, you know, there are these things, I think, that uh, he used to have fun making um, that, that, that he revisits here in this film. And so, as I'm watching this, which, by the way, this is the, the campiest movie ever. I mean, it is camp camp. Uh, as I'm watching it, every the first half, I think it's so cheesy that it's funny, and I think that's one of the things that was like, this is low key good at comedy because there's just small moments that I just could not stop laughing. I'm like, did y'all see that, y'all? There's one point in the movie where it is daytime, <laughs> and this character drives up the street, and it had to be five minutes away, but all of a sudden it's night, like dead nighttime, and I'm like. <laughs> You just don't make those creative choices on accident, you know. It's like to pull reaction out of the audience and to get them uh, to get them to laugh. But um, also, th- there's bad acting. Um, Annabelle Wallace here, I think, is great. I really do because everything she's doing is intentional. Um, I- I've seen her in things, and she's always been good. But nothing, you know. You know, sometimes uh, uh, when movies are intentionally bad, it, it brings out better acting in people because they're like, you have to try harder because you've been acting serious for so long. And somebody like Annabelle Wallace, I think she really just killed it. I think this is the, the, the script that allowed her to act, to pull out something else that she's never pulled out before because she had to be cheesy in so many different parts, but also serious in so many different other parts. Um, that was that was really interesting for me. Uh, but James Wan creative choices here, man. I really, I think it's shot great. I really do. I was like, man, I, I, I like the way that the beginning looks. It like you, you just said it. It's coming from, um, um, you know, all these seventies, anything, right? A lot of these giallo horror films. Um, and, and at first I didn't get it, but then you know, you, you keep watching. You're like, ah, I think I see which uh, where you're going here. Um, and then, you know, and it's all for the twist, man. It really is. It, it's, it's another one of those things where I think I like the film because twists never get me. It's just like, hasn't been a thing as much recently, 
where I'm like, man, I did not see that coming. Man, I went, I went to, uh, I went to the theater with my cousin and, and my friend. I was just like, mouth open, like what? <laughs> like everybody looking at the screen, like what the hell? Mouth agape. <laughs> are we watching? What is this? And I haven't had that experience. I think in a movie theater so long, seeing some of the bad shit crazy stuff that was happening in this movie that like i think that's why i enjoyed it because nowadays you can watch a movie and you're like dang i've seen that before i've seen that before but james wan really he's like i'm just gonna make something i want to make and i think i appreciated that um in watching it i also think this is me putting my tinfoil hat on um that a lot of things that happen in the movie uh uh are to um demolish and and, and make fun of cliches in horror films because he he constantly keeps going against cliches in horror films. Like he'll 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 present the cliche, and then the opposite will happen in the movie. And you're like, "This has this has never happened before. What, what's going on?" And I think I just really liked every single one of those moments that he just kept doing it. I was like, "What? That happened?" And then something <laughs> yeah. else happened. And you're like, "Wait, they kept going?" Or you know what I mean? Like all all these things. And you're like, "Dang, okay." Um, but yeah, man. Even though it, it, it every, again, everything doesn't work. A lot. Of, it did slow down in the second act. Like you're completely right. Um, and those are some of those missteps I think I'm talking about. Where like I think the first act is where we're like, okay, we get it. You're intentionally making this bad. It's really campy. And then what's next? And I think that second act, you know, it's one of those things. Well, I think as a filmmaker, he just had to put some stuff in there to to lead us into um, um, the twist of the movie the way that he saw it but i also agree he could have trimmed some fat for sure um again not a perfect movie by any means but i think i just did really like uh the attempt at everything he was doing man and i think malignant is always going I, I think it really is uh just going to continue to be a divisive movie because um because of what james wan was doing he just wanted to do whatever the hell he wanted to do <laughs> uh as a as a filmmaker and he he, he gave me an experience that i haven't had in a long time at least um but also maybe never before in a horror film like you said he, he was pulling stuff from like the fast franchise and aquaman and a little bit too so yeah man i enjoyed it uh it's not going to be for everyone i don't think but i i like i like how everyone on the internet is like what the hell am i watching that that is the reaction that i i appreciate um coming from james wan as a director and a filmmaker so yeah Definitely divisive, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually develops like a cult following. Like this could be hey, I'm, the type I'm, of I'm film here. that's gonna have yeah, like a rabid fan base, like the people that support it and love it, and say like, no, this is actually like genius, you know. And then there's <laughs> gonna be obviously other folks who, you know, I, I think I think from a from a you know a bigger commercial standpoint, this isn't gonna satisfy the masses, right. you know, in a massive audience, right? Like when you go see a particular type of horror movie, if it's if it's marketed a certain type of way, if it's presented a certain type of way, we're sort of meant and trained to expect certain things. And I think a lot of people walk out of this saying like, oh, it's just, it's not scary, uh, which I, I, I can get that because um, a, a lot of people traditionally relate jump scares to to actual like horror and fear and stuff like mm -hmm. that which it, it's a type it's a type of fear absolutely um and if done really well it can work and i, I think sometimes it's absolutely overused and we've become over reliant on jump scares um but there's also other examples out there where jump scares aren't a part of the story aren't a part of the movie but the movie is still terrifying in and of itself absolutely. like we 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 obviously always you know sort of praise and rant about hereditary all the time yeah. that was a movie that was void of jump scares mm -hmm. and just had a not only a compelling story at the center of it like a family drama but it was truly horrific cuz you, so, you you see this family just 
deteriorate mm-hmm. and there's actual like scary imagery and scary things that happen right um and that's like an example where i'm like that that works out perfectly that's also like similarly like a, a demonic possession haunted house movie so mm-hmm. he's obviously trying to get away from that and do something completely different and, and inspired by other other genres here um and, and i think when it comes to like genre films like yeah. james wan is he's one of the best working today no doubt about right. it um so it'll just you know your mileage may vary on this it'll just depend on what you're looking for i think if you're if you're a true cinephile, if you're a true James Wan fan, and you can sort of pick out those references, understand where he's going with the energy of the movie, mm-hmm. the campy, goofy energy, it's something to appreciate. And you can absolutely laugh at this and have fun with it. I think, Hilarious. I think from that type of experience, like if I watch it again, now knowing what I know about it and now knowing to you know what to expect going into it, probably might have a, a grand time. Mm-hmm. You know, now that the expectations have been, you know, sort of lifted, I don't have to like yeah. enter in, enter into it with that experience no more. Um, but if you do see this for the first time, if you, if you're going in expecting a traditional horror movie, mm-hmm. this ain't that. I could t- I could tell you that right now. This ain't that. Don't expect that. That's not a bad thing per se. It just as you mentioned, it will work for some people and it work it won't work for certain people. Um, I think I just hope that um I don't know. I just hoped that it would just have a little bit more uh, more energy to it overall. But yeah. uh, you know, uh, not not a terrible film by any means. And certain things do work. I do I do think that that last, as confused as I was, wild. I mean, that last like twenty five minutes, wild. Was just, like, it just turned into a, a <laughs> gore fest. Like shit just went ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculously in a different direction. I mean. It, I mean, wow, it was something else. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I appreciate just like having, you know, sort of subdued energy for most of it. And then you just like go balls to the wall by the end of it. So, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting experience to say the least. I know, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, we're both on different sides of it. But that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I definitely would be interested to hear what other people think about it. So if you seem malignant on HBO Max or if you got a chance to go to the movies, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about a film that you just recently seen. I didn't get a chance to see this, but we're going to go ahead and talk about Reminisce. You're going on a journey, a journey through memory. All you have to do is follow my voice. We're closed. I know, I'm sorry it's late. We have time for one more job. began to rise and war broke out. Nostalgia became a way of life. There wasn't a lot to look forward to. So people began looking back. Nothing is more addictive than the past. No, 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 put me back. Put me back. I understand. She's moved on and you should too. People don't just To find where she'd gone, I had to know where she'd been. Was she running from the past? Or racing back towards it? How much did you really know her? How much did you know? Who was she? Who was she when not with me? You think you want answers? Well, you don't. Where is she? Where is she?
in this life. I've turned a blind eye to plenty. I have to do this. That machine of yours, how close can you get before the illusion's broken? Now, this film is written and directed by Lisa Joy and is starring Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson, Tandy Newton, Cliff Curtis, Marina Del, excuse me, Marina De Tavira, and Daniel Wu. Um, now, Reminiscence is uh, also a film that just came out in theaters and on HBO Max. It came out a few weeks ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing a lot of the marketing in the trailers, you know, with Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. They both worked together before in The Greatest Showman. They're back together on this. Um, but I didn't get a chance to watch this. So I'm going to pass it over to you, man. What did you think about this movie? Yeah, man. Uh, I. I, I Oh man. Uh so Reminiscence is it's a beautiful movie. It looks good. The production is clearly there. I mean, you have literally have Hugh Jackman and, and, and Dandy Newton, man. Um and again, uh uh you know, somebody also comfortable in Rebecca Ferguson. Um it, it, none of nothing wrong with the movie is the cast, right? Cliff Curtis too, who is so underrated to me. Um he's, he's definitely Someday he'll be a, the star that he's meant to be. I guess it's just not today because, yeah, we got to figure that out for him. But um, it's a beautiful movie, man. It really is. It looks good and it has good ideas. It's literally um, a movie about there. They are there are private investigators, which are Hugh Jackman and Tandy Newton, and they can navigate people's memories. Um Sometimes they sell that technology to people like they literally run kind of like a business. Sometimes they sell that technology to people for people to revisit their own memories. And other times they use it. uh, Some people buy their services because they've lost lost things. Some people will say, I don't know where my keys are and go into reminiscence and try to find their keys like they go through their memories um and they can see the complete memory uh uh from the outside looking in and be like dang this is where i dropped my keys or this is where this happened um again they're private investigators so a lot of times they're being um they're being used by the cops like the cops are like look we need you to get into this person's mind and find out this crime um and i think that's a cool idea i really do i don't think i've like really seen it too much there are like small things of course um that that uh, uh, come from other movies, right? Um, influences, but at the the center of it, it is in some ways a a love movie um, of the sort. It's a love crime movie, um, and it's really about Hugh Jackman looking for Rebecca Ferguson's character. Is really what it is. All in all, it's just not a good movie. It's very boring. There's just not much substance to it they they try to say a lot of things and they never really it's too long it's you know uh, it it's too front-loaded with, with a good cast i think um is, is one of the things but also there's just like it it tries to be too late i don't know it may be trying too hard i'm not sure or maybe not trying enough but i know at the end of the day i found myself i actually fell asleep on the i cannot make this up y'all i fell asleep on this movie five times um oh <laughs> 
<laughs> like five times yeah bro because it was i to be fair it was like nighttime i'm about to go to bed let me watch reminiscence but most movies i can stay up there like this just wasn't it like i just kept falling asleep um because there was there just seemed to be not enough happening in the film um and all in all it's just going to be very forgettable and i don't have really much to add outside of that i'd be surprised if somebody watched it and was like dang i really like that movie um because it provides you nothing new and at, at the end of the day we're watching movies to be entertained right and it just simply did not do that shame real shame i i, I remember seeing just like the marketing and it had like inception vibes to it which you mm -hmm. know inception is also kind of like another science fiction mystery movie where there's right. the main character also like looking for somebody something looking for his love um i got that vibe but it obviously just didn't look as good as inception mm -hmm. so it just didn't it was one of those things that just didn't appeal to me it, it didn't look like a great movie um so it was something i was just like i don't know i don't know about this love hugh jackman of course yeah tandy noon as you mentioned i think rebecca ferguson is extraordinary as well so definitely love the people a part of it but it just even the premise of it like looking at the marketing of the film um, it always felt like that there was something missing mm -hmm. and the fact that you say like it was just kind of, you know, a boring experience, it, it kind of looked that way. Um, so <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that that turned out that way. But uh, hopefully all of them have projects coming in the near future that are going to be a lot better. We know Rebecca Ferguson is going to be in Dune, which is yeah. uh, definitely something we're looking forward to. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are your thoughts on reminiscence, which is something I cannot pronounce. You heard it earlier. I, I, that word is very difficult for me. I <laughs> definitely whip my ass. But if you've seen reminiscence, hit us up and let us know what you think about it on social media. Let's go ahead and transition and talk about the latest episode of Marvel Studios animated series, What Is if follow me into the multiverse of infinite possibilities reality is not a straight line every passing moment is a chance for a new offshoot a new variation in fact there are more realities than you can possibly fathom an infinite number of what ifs Stories you thought you knew are nothing like you remember. What if? Now, episode five just recently premiered on Disney Plus. As always, we review and talk about the latest episode of What If each week on this show. And we just got our newest episode entitled What If? Zombies? And so it's uh, <laughs> something we've absolutely been waiting for and been anticipating. The zombie sort of aesthetic and style that's been brought to what if is something that was popularized in the comics, Marvel Zombies, um, and we've been waiting on that to be one of the big concepts that they did in this animated series. Of course, again, as I mentioned, we've been breaking down the show every week. It's been, I think, been sort of an up and down experience. Some things that have been really great, some things we've hoped, you know, for with uh, with other elements of the show that could have been improved upon. But overall, definitely an interesting episode here. Um, it's set around the events of Avengers: Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp, so that 2018 time period. Um, really sort of the whole premise is that you know oh and, and again before we get into a spoilers like if you've not seen episode five of what if go watch it and come back and listen to this as usual um so we will be doing spoilers here um with that said hank pym he he enters the quantum realm to you know retrieve his long lost wife janet van dyne which is again a big part of the plot of am and the wasp mm -hmm. we find out though that she's been affected with a virus within the quantum realm that's affected her brain effectively turning her into a zombie and so she bites him 
They both get out of the quantum realm, and shit just goes off the rails from there. Obviously, one person bites another, then they bite the, the next, and next thing you know, you have a massive worldwide zombie apocalypse that, that that's taking over everybody, and that sort of is the, is the setup here. Um, and we also see that members of the Avenger, Avengers also become zombies, um, which, which continues to sort of initiate this worldwide apocalypse. Um, Captain America... Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Wong, so many of them already have been um, sort of bitten and have contracted the zombie virus and they're just spreading it and we, we get we get a series of survivors that, mm-hmm. have, that have actually been able to make it through the other side, this, this sort of ragtag team um, that consists of Hope Van Dyne, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, Bucky Barnes, Okoye, Sharon Carter, Happy Hogan, and Kurt from the Ant-Man franchise, uh, played by David Dasmalshian, who was just recently in the Suicide Squad so they're sort of our surviving team amongst others that we, that we get over the course of the the 30 minutes or so in this episode but um before we get like deeper into some of the elements of this episode what what did you overall think about the, the latest episode of what if this is the kind of fun that i wish most people had all the time we are literally living in a world where we are we have what 25 now mcu films mm-hmm. um and we we just need to have more fun. That's all I'm gonna like. That's I'm just gonna put it like that, man. Because this episode of What If is going with everything that the 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 Marvel Zombies comic was. It's just really ridiculous, and there's so many Easter eggs, and there's so much fun being had in this episode. Um, that I again, I wish we just did all the time. A lot of it, you know, a lot of stuff can be business ventures nowadays or. Um, you hear you hear us in uh, in, in um, kind of spoiler, but not really in Shang Chi. How you know uh, you Jordan kind of specifically talked about the color grading. Um, mm-hmm. of, it's like just have fun with it, bro. Like it doesn't have to be this very you know specific thing. We get it, it's a business venture, but all of that will come because it's a Marvel property. And here in in this episode of What If, bro, it's like this is this is what I was looking for in the show. Like give me a story that I've never seen in pretty much ever in anything animated <laughs> um, and, and have a good time with it. And that's what I got, man. I enjoyed myself thoroughly, to be honest. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. We're, we're doing spoilers. So, bro. Yo, 100%. Bro, zombie Wanda? Like, oh, God. That is just a concept <laughs> that is just like, yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like, because what's crazy is in a lot of ways, she she is that right now, right? Like she's mm. so driven by her grief in 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 getting her kids back right now in, in the timeline that that is that is almost what she she will almost do anything, whatever it takes to get her children back. And so it's like, okay, but let's bring that here, but more mindlessly. Like to somebody who can't come back from the depths of grief, right? And that's like, damn, zombie Wanda, like unstoppable. Like I would heck no. Or let's do something crazy like a a, a giant wasp zombie. Mm. that is like some crazy shit that you would just never see (laughs) (laughs) anywhere like you know um and and i think it 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 really just meant uh the world to me i think as a comic fan being able to see all this crazy stuff that they were actually able to pack in this episode like jam packing this episode um you know and it's not an episode that i felt like had to have some greater meaning right uh as like 
you know, as like episode four did with like Doctor Strange and stuff. It was just like, no, let's just do some Marvel zombie shit. And that's what I got. And so I, I, I really did have a I had a great time with this episode, man. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about more and all the other crazy stuff that happened. But I, I have to say I really liked it just because it was like, dang, I've never seen that before. And that that is that that's what's up. That's what I want. What if to be? Certainly, this was this was just a tremendously fun episode, and I know that this has also been an episode that's been somewhat divisive amongst audiences because I think certain people were were expecting a tone very similar to last week's episode, the mm-hmm. Doctor Strange episode, where the the whole idea of like having a zombie ap- apocalypse was going to be darker and more grim than it actually was although i do think that there were some very dark moments in this episode like it wasn't it wasn't void of like some some really bleak shit Mm -hmm. the tone of it although you know i think went more into the the traditional marvel like comedic aspect of it but i i hadn't i still have fun with it i thought it was a great time um it's great to always see zombies a part of anything we're living in 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 a really really excellent time i think for zombies in 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 media whether it's television or movies like we're getting so much like really good stuff Mm -hmm. and presenting new rules and new styles and new choices of like what zombies can be in, in, in a particular um, film or TV show. And then you throw in the aspect of like having the Avengers be a part of this, trying to survive this apocalypse. It was just like great fun. And surprisingly enough, the characters that they chose to be the survivors, um, very smart. You mm-hmm. know, I think uh, the Russo brothers, when they were developing Infinity War and Endgame, they talked a lot about this, this, this concept called strange alchemy. And that was for them, that was pitting characters together from the Avengers universe that hadn't really entered interacted from each other to see what would happen you know so that's how you get you know Stephen Strange and Tony Stark together that's how you get Peter Parker um, alongside um, alongside Mantis you know for example or Thor meeting the Guardians just like these weird combinations and to see more of that that also leans into the idea of what if right like not only is the zombie concept like what if like what if this were to happen this is crazy and ridiculous and we probably never get this in a movie but even just these pairings of people like kurt from the ant-man franchise like why would he be a part of anything (laughs) but like it's actually really fun to have him here Mm -hmm. even like happy hogan you know he's not a superhero by any stretch of the imagination but he's a pretty good driver so he can get him places right right? like he's a chauffeur so uh i think that that's just like a really cool concept to again like stack on these different these different levels and ideas of what if can be Mm -hmm. and over it was just like really fun so let's talk a little bit more about the specifics i mean one of the big things about zombies in general right like that we see whether it's the walking dead or uh uh, you know night of the living dead or any of the george romero movies or just Mm -hmm. like any of these zombie franchises that we that we get there's always like rules that have to be established right like you have to you have to sort of set set up what your rules are going to be for the zombies and i know we talked a lot about this with army of the dead earlier this year with Zack snyder um those were somewhat different zombies because they had like a hierarchy they had like Mm -hmm. a damn near like a political class system within their zombie population which we hadn't really seen all that much before these zombies in this episode of what if I mean, if you were a Marvel hero, you pretty much retained all of your faculties and all of your powers. Like, we saw Tony Stark still using his suit, still Mm -hmm. using his repulsor technology. We saw Wong and Doctor Strange still using sort of the twirling magic to create portals, or Wanda herself, like, utilizing her powers as a zombie. Uh, It's it's an interesting take on things. Like, I, I didn't expect that coming into it, because I think typically when you think about the undead and you think about zombies, I mean... I mean, they're literally brain dead at that right. point, right? Like you're you're rotting away, you're brain dead. You really aren't supposed to be able to do all that much besides feed. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of like the concept of what we've seen a lot of zombies do in different in different films and TV series. But this is uh, absolutely a different take. I mean, what did you think about just like the rules of the zombies, how they were able to you know do a lot more than what we're t- typically accustomed to seeing? Yeah, I think it raised the horror 
in the in the series, right? Because if there's Iron Man, zombie Iron Man, you can't use a suit. He's just a normal person. Um, and I think I actually like the choice, right? Because it adds that layer. Um, and it and we know that the disease again is coming from something as wild as the quantum realm, which is uh, which first and foremost is also uh uh literally what happens in the comic it also came from the quantum realm in the comic so it wasn't like it was like super far-fetched uh to me in terms of like just pulling something out of a hat it was already they already had the source material um so they just followed suit and i think uh yeah man it just added another layer i thought i thought it was i thought it was well done i mean that's scary right even more like zombie i i think about like world war z zombies where they are Mm -hmm. the fastest Freaking group Usain of, Bolt type bruh, shit. They be <laughs> they be making ladders on top of each other, kind of zombies. Where like they're, uh, I'm sure they're like parts of their brain are uh, are dead, right? But not all their mm-hmm. brain is dead. And that's like that. I like those new takes on zombies, where like uh, that stuff can be added. You know, even again, we were talking about um um what what's the name of the movie? Uh, we were just talking about uh, Netflix. Army of the Dead. Uh, yeah, uh, Army of the Dead. I actually like how Zack Snyder wanted to sit down and like let's make a zombie hierarchy. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like that's cool. Like nobody, you know, we, people don't think about those things all the time. Um, it's another way to elevate the genre, I think. And so, yeah, I I I, I think they were doing the same thing here. Like, what if not all of their brain was dead? What if they could still use all their powers and you know do all these things again, which is what makes freaking zombie wanda so much so as scary as <laughs> any anybody else in the world right so yeah i thought it was well done yeah i think some uh some some pop culture zombie aficionados might nitpick at the fact that like they shouldn't really know how to like still use that stuff if they're zombies but i think at the end at the end of the day like this is a purely conceptual show for the most part that's mm-hmm. just meant to like take these concepts and have fun with them and in order to keep like this this genre the subgenre of horror like zombies fresh like you have to present new challenges and right. new things for them to do um in order to make this a legitimate threat for the avengers because the avengers are already you know super powered or um, metahuman or whatever they might be and Mm -hmm. so i think to 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 create an equal threat on the other side of it to have them still be able to like utilize their powers very smart choice and it gives us like cool shit like you mean like zombie wanda is just like wow that that's horrifying if like that if that really happened we're pretty fucked like (laughs) zombie wanda is just a completely different look because now she has no remorse end of the world no concern yes it's it's, it's over at that point like we're talking dark phoenix level extinction level (laughs) event at that point so like take it home um so yeah i thought it was i thought it was pretty cool i mean uh, alongside of that we had the person delivering like the zombie rules to us this episode was peter parker who was really central to to this (laughs) entire episode and he actually uh very much in the spirit of tom holland and what we've seen in the spider-man films in the mcu Mm -hmm. created a home video it was uh it was it was the zombie how do do you want to survive a zombie apocalypse And, and in a very fun way delivered what the rules of this of this particular episode was with the zombies that we were dealing with Mm -hmm. um but even beyond that i mean peter was a really central part of this team this uh the, the the events of this episode very central in driving it uh we saw that the cloak of levitation actually gravitated towards him now i know we suspected what that was going to be uh damn near thought it was going to be an entire episode like if doc if you know peter parker was the sorcerer supreme turned out it wasn't that deep it was literally just like 
the cloak needed somewhere to go. The, the cloak isn't a zombie, so so the cloak's <laughs> gonna go wherever the survivors are. Peter, I guess he got enough he got enough magic swag to, to be able to like wear the cloak at this point. But uh, I mean, what did you think about you know him being sort of the central focus of this episode? Did he work for you? And you know, we didn't have Tom Holland here. Um, we had another voice actor stepping into the role of uh, this version of Spider Man, but also comes from like other Spider Man animated series before. Like this this voice actor, I can't remember their name. I'm off the top of my head, but this voice actor has definitely voiced Spider Man before in other projects and other animated series and things of that nature so um yeah just want to hear your thoughts on spider-man in this episode yeah man i think it was it might be hudson thames maybe um, yes i think you're right hudson thames yeah yeah, yeah. who he voiced spider-man on a on a different show right um, i think it was the uh the the it might have been the spectacular spider-man series spectacular that came Spider-Man? out a few years yeah, ago and i was like yeah. dang this dude sounds familiar i kept saying it i was like dang who is this um but yeah he killed it of course uh, yeah, bro I'm, I'm always gonna welcome spider-man in the center of anything um but who else to put in the center of this but the movie aficionado man the one who's gonna <laughs> keep making pop culture references the one who's gonna like give us the zombie land-esque you know rules of the world who else but peter parker uh it if it like who else like i I really couldn't imagine anybody else playing this role it just doesn't work and i think this is another reason why spider-man is so essential to the mcu he like he literally provides something some of the other heroes don't provide and that's like uh being a little bit more down to earth right like we can we relate to him and i uh I thoroughly enjoyed everything he brought. He was funny, man. Uh, there, there was just so much going on um, all the time, and I liked all the references, pop culture references he was making. I'm pretty sure he said something about like Sex in the City at some point. I don't know. Um, he did. No, he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? Also, did they say something about Uncle Ben in this episode? Am I tripping? He meant no. He mentioned Uncle Ben uh, when when he was having the conversation with Hope, and Hope was you know asking him how is he able to you know just maintain yeah. such a positive outlook mm-hmm. on things even in the worst of situations. And he talked about losing Uncle Ben and losing um, Mr. Stark, you know, as he always refers to him, losing all these really important people in his life, and just like still being able to find a smile through all of it for the first time ever. He's never yeah that we've actually he's yeah never you're right. they, they've always alluded to Uncle Ben existing. Um, in Homecoming and Far From Home, but they've never directly referenced Uncle Ben until now, which is really interesting. I wonder if uh, anything will pop up in the next film. But yeah, I was just thinking about that. But man, uh, great job. You know, simple as that. He's been Spider-Man before, so it wasn't like it was like a new thing for him. It literally was a a, a glove fit. So welcome. Yeah, smart on them to to definitely pull from somebody who's very well versed with the character but I, yeah i also thought like having spider-man be like the really central figure here was a tremendous choice and to provide that levity like if they're going mm-hmm. for comedy and levity like what better character than him like he has this youthful exuberance about him mm-hmm. um that one i think allows him to survive more than some of the you know more adult characters because mm. That that's that's a I think that's a really important distinction. Like who survives a zombie apocalypse? Like who are the typically the people that make it out? Like mm-hmm. I think usually like younger people are gonna make it out, right? Like yeah. they just have like more energy, they're thinking about the world in a different way, mm-hmm. they're probably a little bit more resourceful. Yeah. Whereas like once we get to a certain age as adults, like, I mean, we're just damn near afraid of anything. If you try to jump off some shit, you're going to bust a <laughs> knee probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then you're not willing to sacrifice certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it, it becomes a little bit too difficult as you get older. So I think it made all the sense in the world. Um, an- another big, you know, point of this episode, like, is they're trying to figure out how to how to find a cure. They, 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 they get the information that a potential cure might exist at Camp Lehigh in New Jersey, which we know in the MCU, um, Camp Lehigh is the place that was the birthplace of, of Captain America. That's where yeah. they 
gave him the super soldier serum and you know he was born and so they go to camp lehigh to figure out if there's a cure there they run into vision who cannot be you know bitten and turned into a zombie because of the the the, the power of the mind stone mm-hmm. um and actually prevents him from from actually becoming a zombie and they find out that the mind stone actually might have the the capacity to reverse the virus's effects and actually be a cure um and and very soon here we get a horrific, a horrific occurrence as they're talking to Vision, getting information. We find out that uh, Vision has been keeping zombified Wanda alive, and she's been, he's been, he's been feeding parts of T'Challa to Wanda to, 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 you know, keep her, keep her fed, you know, to, to, to make sure that she's not, you know, too rabid. I mean, wow. Listen, Wanda and Vision just got to, we just got to say, they they are toxic as fuck at this point. Like, it's no way around it. Like, Wanda taking over an entire town Uh, in New Jersey, mm -hmm. putting them under her control and creating a fucking sitcom world just so that she can retain this, 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 this illusion of keeping Vision alive. Vision's out here doing the same shit in this animated world, keeping Wanda alive, doesn't want her to die officially. And he's taking T'Challa hostage and is feeding parts of him to Wanda. I don't know. Feels kind of racist to me. It also just feels toxic <laughs> as fuck to me. Like, it's really, really crazy that he's doing this shit. Like, what is going on with these two? I, I don't know if I can have much more sympathy for Wanda and Vision at this point. Yeah, they they are they're overboard, bro. I mean, like what what what's so crazy to me is Wakanda literally protected him. This one person. Like, <laughs> like like they did all this for you, and then you're Yo, sacrificing you the leg of their king. That is like the most. Excuse me, like the audacity, first and foremost. That uh, just ridiculous. Like you said, it, it does feel a little racist. Why T'Challa? Why not? <laughs> I don't Why the king of Wakanda, bro? You this is go, not it. You could go pick up Iron Man or Cap or you know somebody. Go pick up somebody else. Not the king of Wakanda. Like, what's going on here, man? Maybe it's like the royal blood. I don't know what was going on, bro. I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, we can't trust them anymore. They have too much going on. They're they're breaking too many timelines. There's too much. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much. They really are. Too much. Uh, we're, we're, we're losing too many people. And... Uh, yeah, I just I can't I don't know if I can support it was it just really blew me. I'm like they 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 did it again. Like Wanda and Vision did this shit again. Like again. this is not this is not acceptable. Uh we we also you mentioned it earlier, we did get that really cool version of like uh, a giant wasp, you know, she she turned into a giant to help them, you know, make it across the zombie the zombie horde, but yeah. then she of course turned into a zombie herself at the end of this episode. Um and we see at the end that essentially, you know, Peter Parker, T'Challa and Scott Lang, um, mm-hmm. the new A-Man, they're able to escape to Wakanda um, because that's apparently the last place on Earth that's been able to to hold off the zombies. Although, by the end of this episode, we see that Wakanda has absolutely been taken over by zombies. Yeah. And Thanos is there with the damn Infinity Gauntlet. Um, and he has all the stones with the exception of the Mind Stone, and they're about to bring it right to him. Zombie yeah. Thanos, by the end of this. I mean... Just crazy. Um, we also get that moment of like Hulk. He hulks out to 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 to, to fend off the zombies and to yeah. fight Wanda. That was really cool. Um, so definitely just like a lot of cool imagery again playing up to that concept of what if. Another thing that I do want to mention though, like this is the second episode where the Ant Man side of things and the Hank Pym side of things is extremely integral to the story. Like mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, we got the we got the what if episode where Hank Pym was murdering the avengers the original six and now we get this episode where he goes into the quantum realm and janet is the one that you know contracted the virus initially and she spreads it across the world 
just quickly, you know, what do you think about just like the the importance that they're placing on like this Ant Man side of the universe within the MCU? Because I know a lot of people have I think underestimated the character in that side of, of things for a long time, just because it is a lot smaller scale, right? Like this is a very contained story typically, but we've seen recently, like even in Endgame, the importance of the quantum realm. We know Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania is going to be. Uh, it looks like a huge movie with you know Kang the Conqueror being the the, the main foe in that film, mm-hmm. and then also just in these episodes, we're seeing just a lot more Hank Pym. Hank Pym be integrated into this stuff now. Yeah, I think it's catch up or it's makeup for the things they didn't do initially. Like people, I think one of the things when Avengers was first coming out is I've always had this criticism that why not include Ant-Man? Because literally historically, Ant-Man is the one who decided they should become the Avengers. Wasp is the one that came up with the name the Avengers. Why aren't they more, you know, do people just think they're not cool? I don't know. I just like couldn't figure out why you know that this was happening i'm like damn what did hank pym do to y'all like what did you know what a gen event like i and i i really do think they're just playing makeup for that i think they want people to know that hank is important i really do i think pe- they want people to know that all both ant-mans and both wasps are important gen event dine's important like hope is important i i think they're really just trying to reiterate that um and they're making up for lost time and that people can start to remember their names and plant them that way when ant-man quantumadium comes out they're like oh we know who the, these people are you know and and we're more familiar with them or when the trailer comes out like dang i remember in that what if episode where hank kind of went crazy and uh yeah i think they're just trying to put them more in the conversation because it's never been about them never uh, since the mcu uh, has been a thing it's never been about them and i really think they're playing catch up agreed i mean you know hank pym is Traditionally in Marvel Comics, I mean, alongside Tony Stark, Bruce, uh, Reed Richards, he's one of the smartest people in the Marvel Universe, right? Like, yep. he's he's a genius. And so um, there's definitely an element that they haven't tapped into as much within the live action films that I think that they're starting to get to here. And also, I mean, we just got to be real, like, Michael Douglas is not a young man anymore. You know, he, he's very old, right? Absolutely. So he, he, can, he can only do this for so much longer. So to have him included in this show, I think is a really creative way to to give the, the characters definitely more importance, more of a spotlight here. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see more. Again, I, I think I think Ant-Man as a character is a property already an underdog, right? Because right. he of just the nature of the powers in Wasp as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're playing up to that, and we're going to be very surprised to see just like how important these characters will continue to be in the to you yeah um but yeah man overall i think it was a great episode i had a lot of fun with it uh it, it damn near might be my favorite thus far mm-hmm. um i think it's at least up there it's top two probably at this point just because of how fun it was Same. so um i think that this is also maybe a concept that they can you know revisit in the future but the last thing that i do want to touch on before we, we move on to our next topic is just like this idea of like horror within marvel in general like we're starting to see that this is becoming more of a thing like doctor strange and the multiverse of madness is supposed to have like a lot of horror elements and it's directed mm-hmm. by sam raimi who's a He's a he's a king of horror, you know, yeah. films. He's he's you know sort of the the creator and the maker of the Evil Dead franchise, franchise which is you know hugely successful. Right. Um, we know that Blade is coming, right? Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about you know whether or not Ghost Rider is going to be a thing in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I know What If again is a different concept. It's more conceptual in nature. 
not everything will necessarily stick from this series into into the live action films but do you think that this is just like another way for them to tap into the genre that they haven't dived into as much because there's there's absolutely a pocket of the marvel universe that exists within like the horror mm-hmm. realm of things that they, they i mean there's there's an embarrassment of riches there i feel like that yeah. they, if they wanted to tap into they absolutely could yeah man i think this is their their the beginning and their way is of easing us into uh, uh these concepts in a lot of ways the end of infinity war is a horror film everybody loses that's like it's it, of course it's sad but it's like scary too in a lot of ways right it's like ooh, like what is going on in this universe and i, I really do think we're easing um again not only to more losses but into more horror these just brought up sam raimi in the in in these uh and dr strange and multiverse of madness what if you know we, we are, we're watching what if ease us into that entire movie like <laughs> to be honest like we already got the strange episode dr strange and multiverse of madness we get this episode dr strange and multiverse of madness it's like literally setting setting us up um to begin to enter these darker realms of the mcu i think and i think that marvel realizes that it's time to get darker the light the lightheartedness is a lot of the origins and the infinity saga has has done that you know and the, like i said the end of it has gotten into those dark places so i think they're literally preparing us um again for more horror and for more losses to be honest for more horror and for and for more ills to be taken because that is that is the nature again of these comics and it has to become the nature of the movies because we're we're entering moon knight territory you said you said blade we're entering a lot of the cosmic stuff is not supposed to be pretty and you know when when x-men comes back around and dark phoenix has to be scary that's just how mm-hmm. it works that is literally yeah. the nature of these stories and i and i think uh, I think this preparation is is just well needed, but I think like things like what if uh, is is a good place to get people started. Yeah, and and the great thing about what if that we've seen is that you can you can kill people, <laughs> and that's just like right. <laughs> that in and of itself is like a scary and you know thing to be afraid of, and so lots of potential here. We'll see what they do. But those are our thoughts on episode five of What If. Of course, we'll be back next week to talk about episode six. But hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and move on. Got to talk about some video game news. Big, big, big news out of Sony. They just held their PlayStation Showcase this past week, announcing and revealing several new titles yeah. that'll be coming out for the system over the course of the next months years and so all these big big announcements came out we of course both watched the the live stream presentation this past week it's about a 45 minute 50 minute presentation again of a lot of things that we already knew were coming some things that are coming out again later this year this holiday season as well as some surprises that we did not expect so let's go ahead and get to the big things man let's start off with uh star wars we found out they're making a remake of Knights of the Old Republic, which I know has so many people extremely excited. Knights of the Old Republic, if you don't know, if you've not played the game, I mean, it's one of, if not the most acclaimed and revered Star Wars games ever made. I mean, it's extremely popular. Came out back in 2004, I believe, um, right in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith when those movies were coming out. So at that particular st- time, Star Wars was not the uh, it's not the most beloved thing in the world, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it was going through a bit of a big transition. Those prequel films were not doing um, as well as I think people ha- had expected them to from a quality level. And then right. we get this game that just completely changed everything about star wars and video games and of course knights of the old republic is is also set thousands of years before the events of star wars so Mm -hmm. it was really an opportunity to invent things and to really establish a new a new legacy a new mythology still again within the framework framework of star wars but doing something that we just hadn't been able to 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 see whether it was in the movies or the books or the novels or the comic books things of that nature um and now they're doing a remake for the playstation 5 so um not too many details about it but the announcement in and of itself is 
it's huge. And, and, you know, you've talked a lot about just like several remakes that have been, you know, coming out of these various studios lately mm -hmm. and how well that they've been, you know, received a, a lot of the time. I mean, this is, this is probably going to be another one that's just, again, the game was already amazing and now they're, you know, taking an amazing game and then updating it for a new generation. So, uh, definitely something to look forward to, I think for a lot of star Wars fans. Yeah, man, this is, this game was just so insane. Uh, it had, had Darth uh, Revan in it, which this dude here, he's probably, he's top five coolest looking Star Wars villains ever. Just characters ever, not even villains. I mean, the man had two separate color sabers, a mask, and he just, just sit as hell. Like, you you just didn't know what the heck was going on because he had, he just looked cool. And I, I think, you know, the introduction of him also changed Star Wars because it, it really gave people, this is when concept art is going crazy when Knights mm -hmm. of the Old Republic comes out. I mean, people are just drawing their asses off. Um, and, and people, it made people excited again about Star Wars. Of course, like you said, we see, uh, we see episode one. We're like, I guess, you know, we're like, cool. You know, well, this is cool. Um, you see Clone Wars and like, that's cool too, I guess, you know, and then this game comes out, you're like, oh shit, I love Star Wars. Um, because it, again, it allowed them to go above and beyond and to play off of, again, a lot of those comics that they, that they already had, um, going on, man, expand a lot of lore, expand a lot of the universe, um, and give us a lot of those early stories in the galaxy that we love so much. So yeah, I'm excited to see that this game is happening. Uh, again, this is an MMO RPG. Hopefully they, Blow it up as such again mm -hmm. as an MMORPG. Make it all look beautiful. Update what you need to update and give us uh, uh, the, the game again, you know. And technology has progressed so far. I think it'll look great. So uh, I hope they do it right, man. Yeah, they, they have a lot of, I think they have a lot of pressure on them because, uh, as I mentioned, this is one of the most critically acclaimed <laughs> Star Wars games, damn near anything out of that 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 franchise uh, of all time. It's extremely beloved. So, uh, very much looking forward to what they do with the Knights of the Old Republic remake. Uh, we also have gotten you know some some new footage, some new gameplay footage of God of War Ragnarok, yeah. which I know we're both extremely excited about. Uh, the God of War game from 2018, which. I just recently, you know, played for the first time and beat this year. I, I saw the story before, but I actually got my hands on it this year. And by God, one of the greatest games ever made, but by far. I mean, they just yes. they took everything that was great about God of War and just took it to a completely new level. Yeah. Now we're getting Ragnarok, which is the continuation of the story from the previous game. We found out, you know, to no surprise, the main antagonists of this game are going to be the characters Freya and Thor. Pretty much both of them are on revenge missions at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, they're both coming after Kratos mm -hmm. and his son Atreus, uh, and it's it's gonna it's gonna get ugly. Um, these new God of War games are very steeped in Norse mythology. Uh, we know that the original games were very much inspired and steeped into Greek mythology. We've transitioned into in, into the Norse world, which is you know the explanation of Thor, um, which also means that all nine realms will be available in the game. I think in the first one only six of them were available, but now we'll be able to visit all of them, including Asgard, which is crazy to think about. Um, and apparently, according to the developer Santa Monica, this is going to cap off quote unquote the Norse saga. So not going to be a trilogy of games per se, but more of a duology of games. You know, a one and a two, and it looks like that they're going to you know sort of change things maybe after this so they didn't say that this is the end of god of war period just the end right. of this particular saga which is also interesting and it's uh it's prepping up for a 2022 release but i mean the footage looked great it, it it obviously looks very much like 
everything we got in 2018. Obviously, some crazy new combinations a part of the a part of the gameplay. Some nice new weapons it looks like, and I'm just really intrigued to see the story as well. Atreus is a little bit older. We know that at the end of that last game, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, got to work, big spoiler, uh, big big spoiler. This is literally <laughs> like the end of the game. Atreus is low key, which is fucking bananas. Bananas. Um, I just can't wait to see what they do with that. So there's so many things that they have going on for them. But this is again, this is Ragnarok, which yeah. you know that means the end of all things. So this is gonna, this is really gonna, you know, bring a conclusion to this story. So I'm, I'm extremely excited. I know you are. Any thoughts on what we saw with this gameplay footage? Hey man, I gotta bring up. Um, I don't even know how to say her name, man. Anger Boda, who is the the, the black girl who was introduced um, at the end of the trailer of God of War Ragnarok. Man, it's a it's a black girl in in Norse mythology. She ends up being the wife of Loki at some point. Um, but the reason, several reasons I have to bring her up. First and foremost, this is the best video game dreads I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like, whoever did, everybody gets an award. The dread team, the 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 dreadlocks team needs an award. Take them to dinner. You're right. Do what you got to do for because uh, it, it really does. They've been defaulting in video games to black girls with curly hair because I think they figured it out. That's like one of the yeah. things they're like, OK, I think we finally got this. So let's keep doing this. This is, the I think, the first time outside of like a 2K, which they be struggling sometimes, too. But where they've actually went through with the super actual 4K, like you can see the grooves in the dreads <laughs> kind of type uh, <laughs> type type design, man. And I, I applaud them for that. And that's that's one. That's one reason I had to bring it up Two, I had to bring it up because the voice actress is going to be Leia uh, De Leon Hayes, who is actually the voice of freaking Doc McStuffins, which. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Exact same girl, man. She's also in uh, the Equalizer TV show with um, Queen Latifah. Um, and she's she's in some other stuff, man, like cartoons and stuff. Uh, but she she's a beast. And it is it's just great to see um, a, a good black representation inside of a video game. And it is happening in this God of War Ragnarok. And it's just one of the cool things happening. You know, it's like, oh, shoot, God of War Ragnarok. And then they, like, introduce this, like, God giant one of the last giant black girls you oh know? yeah and she's a black girl you know and you're like oh shoot this is crazy so uh really dope to see that too but overall you know i'm excited um for this next god of war franchise man uh I, you already said it it's one of the greatest games of all time if it's not your number one it has to be top five like there's just no other way around it if you've actually played and beat the game the story is amazing the team is amazing the music they they just My did goodness. it. They just did it all. Like I I ha actually had a, a, a God of War PlayStation Four. It was crazy. Like it, it looked. Not, I, I just couldn't help myself. I, I've always been yeah. a fan of God of War. So to be able um, for them for them to be able to continue on the path of what seems like greatness to me is impressive. Because Santa Monica Studios, man, it's not like insomniac or like you know it's not like it's just they're really focusing on making a good product, and I appreciate that so much out of them. So yeah, man, God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, it's certainly a game of the year potential already for, for that one. I think we can definitely anticipate that maybe next year. Um, so definitely looking forward to it. Um, but speaking of Insomniac, we got uh, two huge, huge announcements, which some were expected, some were surprising, uh, <laughs> but we definitely learned a lot. Uh, let's let's start off with the one that we were we were we were hoping and expecting to see out of this showcase. Right. Um, obviously, coming into the PlayStation Showcase, people were wondering, are we going to hear about Spider Man Two? And we absolutely did. We're 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 getting Spider Man Two from Insomniac. Um, and 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 
and one of the big rumored villains coming into it was going to be Craven, which I think they've you know since confirmed that Craven will be a part of this game. But mm-hmm. another one that we just found out from the cinematic trailer that they delivered is Venom is going to be a part of this game, and he's going to be voiced by the one and only Tony Todd, Candyman himself, um, is voicing Venom here. Uh, the the most painful thing about this reveal is that we're not getting the game until 2023, <laughs> uh, which is just I mean to think that we have to still get through the rest of this year and then we got to get through all of 2022 and then they're probably not going to release it until like fall of 2023 pretty painful but um i'm sure it'll be worth the wait but we also know that we're going to get to play as both peter parker and miles uh, continuing that story um of their relationship obviously the first game in 2018 you play primarily as peter we just obviously talked about the Miles Morales game on this podcast a few weeks ago and how yep. tremendous that is. Now they're finally being able to, you know, to be brought together and we're going to be, you know, playing as both characters. So we got two confirmed villains so far. I'm sure there's going to be more announcements as, as things continue to progress over the next year and a half, couple of years until the release of this game. But I mean, just, you know, continuing in the in the lineage of that franchise, I mean, they're doing just magnificent work. It's it's the most successful superhero video game of all time. They're capitalizing off of this, obviously taking it into bigger and bolder directions. Venom, Craven, I mean, bring it on. It sounds incredible. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't had Venom in a Spider-Man game in a minute. And when we did, you used to be able to like play as Venom. I forgot which game that was, but it was a freaking oh, good yeah. time. Um, it was really fun. But, bro, uh, you telling me I get Peter and Miles? It's like two of the greatest games people for me you know like I'm, I'm just really excited um to be able to play as both and then you give me venom and then you give me tony todd it's like people just keep stacking up stuff to <laughs> to make me excited about all the everything happening like we were just talking about god of war they just keep stacking up stuff um and it, it, it's just all good job across the board again the only thing i'm salty about is why would you not make a multiplayer i mean you literally mm. have two <laughs> characters two character it's right there it is right that's the only thing i'm salty about they were like oh no it's still going to be single player i'm like come on bro you know you, I, I just love playing video games with friends that's like always been the way for me of course i love solo player games you know i've always beat all these games but i just really i, I really love uh, multiplayer games be able to enjoy it with friends because what sounds cooler than whipping and doing everything you want with your friends in the city it just sounds amazing but yeah off the soapbox yeah. At least not, they're not pulling a Guardians of the Galaxy where they have like five main yeah, characters. Yeah, that's but worse. You can only play as one. That's worse. Yeah. There's actually an that, S in the title. <laughs> it's like, why are you, why are you, why, why are any of these characters in the game? Yeah, it doesn't, but we can only play as Peter. That That's silly. Uh, they also, you know, wrote out some more gameplay footage of that. I mean, it'll be what it'll be. We'll I, I'm going to get it. We'll see, but yeah. whatever. This is, this is obviously something to be super excited about. But the other big one, um, I, apparently Insomniac does not sleep. I don't know how they're doing this. I truly do not know how that this, they're making this work. But I, it, it's, it's funny because we, we've, the Spider-Man announcement was like the second to last or third to last announcement, like right mm-hmm. before God of War. So earlier in the presentation, we saw the Insomniac and Marvel logo. So I think a lot of people thought it was it was going to be Spider-Man, of course. But, you know, then you then you see the cinematic trailer. You see this bar. There's bodies everywhere. There's tables flipped. There's stools and chairs like all over the place. And you're like, this doesn't feel like Spider-Man, not the Spider-Man that we've been playing <laughs> right. with them. Like, and I think we start to slowly realize as, as we see this play out like, oh, wait. This is this is different. This is somebody different. And then you get the look of somebody sitting at a bar in mm-hmm. a plaid shirt with a cowboy hat on. You got this other, you know, guy behind him getting his knife ready to try to attack him. And then they slowly pan over to the to the front of the character and you see his his mangled, bloody hands sitting on the bar, taking a sip of probably whiskey. 
and then you get those damn adamantium claws that come out of the hand. We find out we're getting a fucking Wolverine game wow. from Insomniac. Like, wow. my God. I, what what on earth? Like, this is, this is insane. I mean, listen, there's a lot of Marvel video games, and Wolverine has been a playable character in a lot of them. Like, we've been able to play as Wolverine before. But to think that we're getting a narrative storytelling focused game on Wolverine from Insomniac who also develops these Spider-Man games which have been just tremendous experiences to think that they're now making a Wolverine game Mm -hmm. about of course one of the most beloved characters in all of Marvel is just I mean the the potential here is just like insane I I, I have no words we we have basically no information at this point Mm -hmm. because I'm sure it's still early but that's okay the fact that it's happening is just like a glorious thing um but this is this is extremely exciting, and we also know um, they confirmed it like a day later that it will be rated M for mature. Yes, so sir. This is gonna be blood and guts everywhere. Thank God. Uh, but this this is great. Can't wait, Bruh, Rated M. I mean, go crazy. I need. I mean, go crazy. I need Logan. I need this. In fact, if this video game was Logan, I'd be happy. Like, <laughs> I would be. <laughs> just do that. Just do that. I'd be perfectly okay with that. Um, and, you know, we, we now have seen the Somniac is really good at these solo stories. Um, but being able to, to to take what we already know about certain characters and switch them up. You know, Spider-Man, we're just talking about Craven and Venom are in it. They're going to find a way to make the story something completely fresh and new. And I know they're going to do the exact same thing uh, for Wolverine. We don't know what's coming out of it, but we know that he's coming and it's going to be bloody. And that's all I need to know in order to be interested, man. And it's Insomniac. So it they 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 have the, the groundwork. It's already late. Like they they've done it. Insomniac has been here. Uh, and and now they just need to take it up a slight notch with this rated M rating, um, and we're we're good. We're in business. I I actually I expect a lot out of this. I know it's, it they they did it to themselves. Like my expectations are high. <laughs> it's as simple as that. My expectations are high, and I I hope we get what 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 I'm expecting. Yeah, yeah. I just think their their focus is in so many places at this point with these huge projects. Uh, you know, I do hope that they're able to still maintain the same level of quality. But if if anybody can, I think that they can. Yeah. Like I, I have absolute faith. And like even the, the the foundation has already been set with Spider Man. Like they have, I'm sure, an engine that'll work still for this game. It'll be mm-hmm. different, of course, but um, it looks like they're building out their own little Marvel universe within within these games here. There 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 could be crossover potential at some point too. So it's just possibilities are endless so yeah plenty of big things from the places showcase i know there were other things any other thing you know that that, that stood out for you that, that that was announced i know that there was i mean we're getting gta 5 for like the the 12th time they're re-releasing that again on these new consoles like mm-hmm. give us a fucking break at this point <laughs> I, I can't i cannot play gta 5 mm-hmm. anymore um i know there's alan wait alan wait game i know that they're you know remake. i think re-releasing um mm-hmm. the or remake yeah they're also re-releasing the uncharted games mm-hmm. um now for ps5 as well so any other things that were like particularly exciting for you uh yeah man there was all kind of stuff i think one of the the biggest things is um forespoken uh is one game i've been looking looking to for a while uh again i'm rooting for everybody black in that game has a black woman kind of at the center of it um in her own solo adventure again still don't know too much but it's starting to look really good um and then there was another game uh announced called project eve and it reminded me of something i played on playstation 2 it got the anime feel to it uh it just is something else that just looks really good um so yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's pretty much about it um, for the most part. Uh, like you said, GTA is gonna be GTA, um, but yeah, I, I, shoot, it's on the way, and that's all that matters. I think <laughs> everything yeah. is coming. 
Well, you know, if you don't got a PS5 now, you got about two years to get shit. Hey, before you got you got time. You got some time now. <laughs> they they made some announcements. You know, they they told y'all like y'all got about a couple years before shit starts to ramp up. Yeah. So if you don't got one, get on it, man, because there's gonna mm-hmm. be some great great games coming out over these next couple of years. So those are our thoughts on the PlayStation Showcase. Uh, hit us up. Let us know what you're excited about. Let's go ahead and move on to the news of the week. We got a few news items. First up, we finally got our first trailer for the Matrix Resurrections. And I kid y'all not, I've watched this probably about 25 times at mm-hmm. this point. This trailer, mm-hmm. my fucking goodness. Yes, sir. I think I think it's extraordinary. I'm so excited for this movie. I, I, I tweeted this out on social. I was obsessed with The Matrix growing up. Like, the first movie was just unlike anything I've ever seen. And obviously, that, that film changed the way that Hollywood blockbusters are made. It was extremely influential. Um, still is to this day from a choreography standpoint from a visual st- uh, effect standpoint it just mm-hmm. did so many different things that hadn't been seen in hollywood um the sequels obviously have reputations i am unapologetically a fan of the sequels much less so the third movie the matrix Re- revolutions doesn't really work but there's still some things about it i like reloaded i actually really still like i think that that's actually still a really good movie mm-hmm. um and then just all the spin-off stuff that they did the animatrix incredible the Enter the Matrix video game, I was a fan of. I thought hey. that was actually a pretty good game. Yes. Dope. <laughs> it's like, yes. that slept on. Um, the, the whole franchise was just like, again, I was obsessed with it. And so when we found out a couple of years ago that they were doing a fourth one, and it was going to bring back Lana Wachowski, uh, one of the sisters involved with you know the original trilogy, um, one of the shepherds of this franchise, and it's bringing back Keanu Reeves, as well as Carrie Ann Moss as Neo and Trinity. I mean, like, yes, sign me up. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Why not? Let's do it. And then to get this trailer, my goodness, it just, it looks spectacular, it looks epic, and it also doesn't tell us anything. We're left to speculate about it for the next, like, three or four months. Like, what's the story? Uh, spoiler alert, how are Neo and Trinity alive? Yeah. Because they died in, in the revolution, so, like, how are they alive? Mm-hmm. Um, what's this reset that, that looks like is happening what are these references that, that they're doing to the other films? Because we see some references to stuff. I yeah. mean, there's just so many questions, which I love that. I love the just the ambiguity to everything that we saw. And the last thing that I'll say is it, it looks, like, visually looks beautiful. Yeah. Like, this looks like one of the best-looking movies that'll probably... One of the best-looking blockbusters that'll probably come out this year. The colors, the sunsets... The, the the sharpness of the image, everything just looks spectacular. And some people have criticized it because, like, those earlier sequels, like, had this green tint and shit like that in The Matrix. Like, whatever, you know, be that as it may. Like, I think that this still looks spectacular. I criticize these new blockbusters all the time for the way that they just visually look. Like, I don't know why we've gotten accustomed to things just, like, looking like shit and we just kind of accept <laughs> it. You know, I, I, I criticize Marvel for that all the time. You mentioned it earlier. I'm just happy we have a blockbuster movie that looks beautiful and there's color and there's saturation like Mm -hmm. yes thank you and there's like real locations they they actually filmed a lot of this in san francisco thank Mm -hmm. you for going to a real place and not a soundstage so right i mean i just i I love the trailer i really really loved it i like i said i watched it so many times i'm gonna continue to watch it i just can't i can't wait till this movie comes out bro i have so many goddamn theories about what's going on in this dang movie man that i'm just excited to either for all of them to be debunked <laughs> or, <laughs> or or to see what's going on, man. I think, shoot, I think Neo is, I, well, I think it's confirmed that he's a, he, he works at a, a movie or a game company and he's, I think so. And yeah. he's making Matrix games or something crazy like that. Oh, um, no fucking way. I think so. 
that's I, what it is. I think that might be one of the things that's going on. But I have a theory about Yaya's Morpheus that he's in the Matrix, but he was born in the Matrix and doesn't know that he's not the real Morpheus. Um, and that like his characters is his character's going to have to come into terms that he's not the real Morpheus, even though that's like the figure he thinks he is. So it's like a program that was created. He's a by program. The Matrix. Yep. I, yeah. I, I think Morpheus is part of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's just one of my theories. But it, like you said, it looks amazing, bro. Uh, again, I, I have to keep talking about it. I love when people have fun with the things they're doing, man. And it, it, clearly, Lana Wachowski is having a good time bringing up something that she's done before. Um, but she she you can. You can. They step away from things that Wachowski sisters. They step away from things and they don't like it. Um, we've seen that before. And I, I, the the fact that Lana is back here shows that there's interest and there is an idea that they have in there that they want that she wants to execute. And I think that's very important um, in terms of the the creation of this movie. And I can see that um, bleeding through the trailer. To be honest, like uh, they showed so much, bro. There's a lot of Matrix shit going on in this trailer. Like when. When uh, I, I first clicked on it, I was like, okay, they probably won't show us much because the Matrix just has so much shit going on. I was like, they probably don't want to show everything. They showed a lot, which means there's a tons of other stuff we haven't seen yet. Um, and, and, and that's one of the things I think that also makes me excited um, for the Matrix Resurrections, man. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just as excited. Yeah, we, uh, we're, we're living in this era where we're getting these... Um these these movies that that they return to form after being away for a significant amount of time i know uh one of the writers over at screen rants he coined the term back in 2015 he calls them legacy sequels which if you think about you know many of these films that they have their original franchise come out and then you know they go away for maybe 10 plus years and mm-hmm. then you bring back the original cast um star wars the Fork- force awakens yep. you know was was a huge one of course right mm-hmm. um we've seen we've seen other properties do it as well like the new halloween film yep. you know they brought back um jamie lee curtis you know returning to that franchise after you know being away for so long um this is following in that same vein where again we're getting neo and trinity back but you know you talked about morpheus who seemingly is playing a younger version uh yaya abdul mateen ii is playing a younger version of morpheus although it's just it's kind of weird because Mm -hmm. you know you have neo and trinity back but we don't have Lawrence fishburne back apparently he was never called for this movie so Mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll probably get some clarity on that when when we find out what the story is that they're trying to tell yeah um also conspicuous by her absence jada pinkett smith Mm -hmm. she's in this movie but she's not in the trailer we know that she's coming back as nairobi and we know that nairobi and morpheus had a thing for each other Mm -hmm. they had a relationship in those prior movies and so i'm just wondering where she comes into play well but i just like the idea of uh having these legacy characters but also these new characters you know popping up in this film yeah but also she's the new morpheus right like she is like in charge of the maybe huh i i, yeah. I thought that's what was of going like on. Of, of like pulling people out of the matrix and bringing yeah, them to the I real world i thought she was the new morpheus now that morpheus isn't around anymore um hey perhaps so, hmm. that could that could be a very important role i mean but that yeah there's i mean there's so many questions again because even in the trailer like you said they so show so much like there's literally a frame in the in the trailer where you can see the machines picking up neo's dead body from Rev- revolutions mm-hmm. like and it looks like that they might be repairing it but they, they're picking up his actual body um so that happened and then there's that other scene where it looks like they're in a warehouse and there's a projector playing a scene from the first matrix yeah like 
literally like somebody's watching the Matrix movie. So yeah. you, you talked about how they might be make, making Matrix video games. I'm like, is this shit going multiple layers? Like, is there a Matrix within <laughs> the, the Matrix? matrix right? In, like Inception Matrix. Yeah, like it might be multiple layers to this thing because how... Because it's not like camera footage. It's not like mm -hmm. you see like camera footage and they're just like watching Neo from from a ceiling. Like the footage on the screen is actually like what we saw as right. an audience from that first movie. So I'm mm -hmm. just like, what the fuck's going on here? What is this? I mean, but that's how meta, you know, we know that these movies can be. So there's there's a lot of potential. I just I just can't wait. Can't wait for this new Matrix to come out. The Matrix Resurrections. Um, it will be available in theaters and HBO Max December 22nd this holiday season. We also got another new trailer recently. Hawkeye, which we know is the next live action series from Marvel Studios that will debut on Disney Plus, just dropped their first trailer. Christmas time is coming. Who knew that this was going to be a full-blown Christmas show? Right. We do know that this show is going to introduce Kate Bishop, um, played by Haley Steinfeld, which we've absolutely been anticipating. We also know, based off of Black Widow, spoilers if you've not seen Black Widow, Yelena Belova um, will be returning to the show, seemingly to seek out revenge against Clint Barton um, for the for what she thinks is is you know him murdering Natasha at the in the events of Avengers Endgame but there's also a lot of a lot of other stuff going on here um this trailer sets up a, a very much a Christmas in New York story mm -hmm. um it looks like almost this entire show is taking place in New York City um at around Christmas time probably over the course of a few days really we see at the beginning of the trailer he's with his family uh they're going to see a musical in on Broadway Rogers the musical apparently it's a a new Broadway show about Captain America here that they're going to see but um it looks like there's some demons from Clinton's past that are coming back to haunt him from his time as Ronan, probably when 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 he had that five year stint um, between the events of, of of Endgame and when they actually brought the brought everybody back with the blip. Um, it looks like he has he has some demons coming back uh, alongside the introduction of K Haley Steinfeld uh, as Kate Bishop here. But lots to see. I mean, I, I think it all makes sense now. Like why this is coming out the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, the last episode is going to air like on the last Wednesday of the year, December 29th, I think it is. So it's going to roll right into the Christmas season. It all makes sense now this is mm -hmm. this is 100 a christmas show yeah. now like the music is in the trailer it's the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year you got the rockefeller christmas tree yep. they're doing broadway shows there's snow all of that stuff like this is full-blown like diehard type mm -hmm. shit but with you know bows and arrows so yeah. it looks it looks fun yeah imagine a world where every christmas you watch home alone and you watch a christmas story and you watch this christmas and then you watch Hawkeye, you know, like imagine Hawkeye <laughs> being that good, though. And I think that's now my expectation. Right. You just talked about Die Hard. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, and it, it, it would just be crazy to add a TV show. I Marvel really Marvel anything. Right. Because uh, people always talk about the Harry Potter movies are Christmas. I've never I've never felt that. I don't think out of any any MCU movie, except for maybe was it Iron Man three, maybe. Um, which right. had a Set little, yeah, we had some Christmas in it. And so it, it, I, I just think it'll be dope, you know, if, if, if this is so good that we could add something to that repertoire. But now that's what I'm like looking for. I'm looking for Die Hard. I'm like, look, we know what time of the year it is. Give us, give the people what they want. Um, I also have to say, I'm really proud of Haley Steinfeld, man. Uh, cause she just be picking the hell out of some projects. I, she does. She's doing really good. She, I mean, Bumblebee, the the per, the pitch perfects, man. I mean, uh, True Grit, right? Uh, mm -hmm. She just be whoever her agent is is just killing it. Like I don't know how else uh, uh, to explain that, man. She really is just on a good a good trajectory. Um, and then she was in uh when she in she was in Spider Verse. 
Yes, she played um, Gwen Stacy. She's Gwen Stacy in Spider Verse, yeah, man. Come her. on, like uh, she she's just really killing it. That's all. I, that's all I'm trying to say. She, I think this is a good pick. Um, and you know, I've been watching it for a while. Like I just said, True Grit or a movie like the uh, like the Pitch Perfect or like The Edge of Seventeen. If you ever seen that, but it's it, so good. It's, Edge yeah. of Seventeen is underrated. I think more people should watch it. I think it might be on Netflix right now too. Go watch it. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's just crazy because I feel like I'm watching her grow up, and it's like, damn, now you're Kate Bishop. And that's just really cool, I think, for me, um, because a lot of these actors were like kind of already established, but I feel like I'm growing up with Haley Stanfield. So it's, it's, it's just really dope to see her being part of the show. So, yeah, man, Hawkeye, I'm excited for it. Ronan, maybe not all the way Ronan. We won't get all the way Ronan like I wanted. I wanted that nigga to pull out his sword yeah. back out and I kick ass. So. But it's, I feel like it's more of a story of like the the – the heart of Kate Bishop pulling him farther away from Ronan again, you know, like that's, mm. that's where they're going to pull your heartstrings. It's like, of course he has a family, but he also has like this weird new adoptive daughter in Kate Bishop. And I, that, that's a cool story for me because that sounds Christmas as hell. So like, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this more than I was before for sure. Yeah. We, we know that the series also is heavily inspired by the recent Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye as well in the comics, mm-hmm. which I, 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 I do want to read before this show just to get a sense of like the nature of it. But uh, yeah. it also seems like a, a passing of the torch type of story, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about Young Avengers on the show and what it looks like they're setting up here. Kate Bishop absolutely could be a part of that. Um, I guess this is the last question before we move on that. I, do you think do you think Jeremy Renner retires as like hawkeye after this like do you think that this might be like sort of the swan song for the character because you know really our original avengers like we know natasha is gone and we had the passing of the torch to yelena Mm -hmm. in that film obviously tony stark and both steve rogers are gone it's really just kind of bruce and 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 uh thor that are still around but i i have a feeling possibly that even with like Clint Barton, you know, passing the torch here maybe even bruce potentially passing the torch in the she hulk series Mm. like is this a way to, you know, possibly not? I, I don't think they'll kill him. I don't think I don't think Jeremy right. Renner dies. Right, but right, right. I, I, you know, he we know in this universe, like they've given him a family, and that's a very, very big yeah. part of like his character arc here, right? So, mm-hmm. like, is there a certain point where he kind of just like walks away and say, like, I'm going to give up this mantle so that I can be with my family and really spend time with them? You know, something that's been on my mind is who is going to be not the leader of the Avengers, but who's going to be the mentor. I think if all this passing of the torch, I think there has to be one person that exists from that old team of the Avengers just to stick around, maybe come to the facility every now and then, say what's up, provide some guidance. Um, And, you know, with so many people leaving, like you just said, uh, Black Widow has passed. We have um, um, Bruce is around, but like how much is he really going to mentor? You know what I mean? Right. And I'm I'm wondering if Jerry, maybe Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye is that guy. Is Clint the guy? I don't know. He could be, though. If he's the one that's alive, you know, he's the one. He is older. He's older than all the, all the Young Avengers we're talking about, too. And he's all, he's been around. He's seen it. He was there from the beginning. Like, what if he is the guy? What if he's the new mentor? I don't know yet. Um, but that's, like, something I've been looking for. So uh, even if he does pass the torch, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, is this our candidate for the the advisor i guess of the avengers like i just feel like there needs to be that one person that's there as the advisor uh since the the, these other people can't be a part so yeah that's kind of where my head is 
we we might be surprised. You 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 could be onto something there. I don't think any of us expected Natasha to be the leader of the Avengers, sort of the glue mm-hmm. in the five years between the snap and the blip when she was like the only one that was like really still carrying the mental mantle of the Avengers of being the leader. Right. Um, I don't think we expected that. So I could see I could see maybe a Hawkeye still being in that sort of mentor type role, like to pop back in occasionally mm-hmm. and to provide guidance and counsel potentially so there, there there's definitely um some space for that here but very excited for this series now uh more so than i was before now to find out like it's a tr- it's a true like christmas in new york store i mean might be biased but damn that just sounds like a great time to me so i can't wait to watch it'll be premiering november 24th on disney plus um we just got another new show announcement on the dc side of things we just found out literally before the recording of the show um a new series of spinoff series from the batman universe the upcoming batman film from matt reeves that'll be coming out march 2022 there's going to be another spinoff series coming they announced one um about a year ago that's going to be centered on gotham police department gotham pd um they're de- developing a spinoff series for that but we just got an announcement that a penguin spinoff series is in development for hbo max um apparently based on colin farrell's um interpretation of the character who, we, who we've yet to see but he will be in matt reeves the batman film coming out we're going to get a trailer for that at dc fandom so i'm sure we'll get a better sense of maybe the the the, the role that he plays there but mm-hmm. penguin series uh and apparently it's going to be very Scarface like. That's that's the terminology used. Hmm. It's gonna be sort of like inspired by Scarface. Um, so don't know much more than that, but it's gonna be set within that universe. It looks like that, you know, sort of that Matt Reeves Batman universe is sort of I mean, for lack of a better term, they're they're creating their own sort of pocket universe. Like, there's going to be multiple spinoff series. There's going to be the film. If the film does well enough, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll you know necessitate sequels. So they're they're kind of spinning off you know many different things from from that side of the of the DC universe now. Yeah, uh, all I want is a Danny DeVito cameo in the TV show. I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know how he can be the teller yeah. at the bank. I don't care, <laughs> but I just I need them to pay homage to Danny DeVito as as the Penguin just real quick, bro. Just throw him in there somehow. I don't know. How, I don't care how they do it, man. But yeah, I, clearly this man has to be a beast in this movie. It just makes me more excited to see the Batman, to see Matt Reeves' Batman, because they're already calling for an entire TV show of just one of the characters that doesn't have a lot of screen time in the movie. Like, come on, bro. This is look. Somebody knows something. Um, somebody has to know something. So yeah, man, we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I'm hoping again a DC fandom. I think we keep beating this drum, but like I'm hoping for like official announcements. Like for sure, we get the news trade, you know, sort of stuff like that breaks on the internet. But mm-hmm. I just want them to just like claim it. Like yeah, we're doing this, and it's coming out at this point in time. Like yeah. you, you can expect it then. So hopefully they will. Um, in, in very unexpected and surprising news. Uh, I mean, if you don't know, Blues Clues is selling celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Uh, Blues Clues, very popular young kids show um that 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 airs on nick jr and it's one of those education educational shows that aired in the late 90s early 2000s um i think it i think it went off the air probably like at the at the end of the early 2000s but they just revived it a couple of years ago they have a new iteration of the character but now they're celebrating their 25th anniversary and steve burns the original host of blues clues comes back and delivers i mean a Mm jaw-dropping video that goes completely viral on social media uh, essentially updating everybody about what happened with him um, the, the the character Steve abruptly sort of left the show in 2002 to go off to college which was actually a real thing for for Steve Burns in real life like he was actually going off to um, you know get more education and you know they replaced him with another guy named Joe uh, but I know a lot of people like growing up with Blue's Clues that kind of was like the end of an era for them and it was a bit surprising at the time like that 
he just left yeah and i think a lot of us at this age who watch blues clues when we were younger it was it was it was the closure we never knew we needed mm-hmm. to figure out what the hell happened to steve um i know that there were rumors a long time ago that he passed away there was that whole thing like yeah steve from blues clues died yeah. and i was like no he didn't that was really it was really weird just <laughs> mm-hmm. like whole phase that we went through but like he just comes back delivers this video um obviously you know much older now but talking about just everything that he's been through all the stuff he's learned that he's been able to do acknowledging you know the changes that we've been through growing up like the fact that we're dealing with adult lives and student loans and jobs and all of this that and just everything that comes with growing up um and to deliver it in such a genuine way still like within the tone of like blues clues but also like acknowledge the real world shit yeah i, I just gotta say kudos to nick jr for doing that because like I don't. I don't think anybody coming into 2021 expected anything out of that. Like, no, Blue's Clues probably the last thing on all of our minds. But yeah. to come back and to see this, 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 you know, really, I mean, for lack of a better term, I mean, he was kind of an iconic character when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knew about Steve from Blue's Clues, and he was, you know, the most popular host of that show. To come back and do this, just tremendous and it performed really successful 20 million views within 24 hours wow um so it just spoke to just like how well they executed that whole that whole plan yeah man this is a essential show to a lot of our lives i know what's one of mine man uh blues clues and then you know actually people i don't think people realize how like early dora happened like in conjunction it was like blues clues and like a couple years later dora came out so it was like mm-hmm. a, a lot of it you're still watching at the same time um but man this I, it hit the heart of America. Anybody in I still use Blue Clues songs to this day. Like, a lot of times I still go to the mailbox and go, we just got a letter. We just got a letter. <laughs> like, I still do that, man, because it was such an integral part of my life. It really was. Like, I, I was a young child. Um, and sometimes, like I, like I told you, sometimes I, I sit in a chair and I sit in a thinking chair and think. Thing, thing. It's like muscle memory. It's just muscle memory uh, because I have just seen it so many times. And so many times I've argued about Blue being a girl. They were like, no, it's Blue, but it's a girl. Like, he, I used to pay attention. You know, I used to pay attention. I'm like, no, they even say it's a girl at some point. I'm like, look, y'all. Or like um, the cool things about the show where like Salt salt and Pepper had children. It's like Paprika. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I'm like, do y'all see this? This, is, this show is a freaking... <laughs> genius um but like again nobody knew the real reason why steve disappeared i remember it was like heroin overdose i'm like that's that can't be right like no way (laughs) there's no way i remember one point maybe this is the wrong person it's either him or 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 tommy from um power rangers they say he wants to go make a band i'm like Okay. Oh, that yeah, that is Steve because he, he, right? he actually is. A, he has a band. Yeah, he actually is. A, yeah, he's a musician. So yeah. that's what, that was. And that he was actually a real thing. made a band. So that's what I was telling people. I was like, no, he went. He went to go make a band. But when you hear the real reasons, because because he was aging, you know, is just so interesting to me. I, it's like something as a child that you don't even really think of. That like part of me is interested of what that looks like if they keep it going. Because if it, he, they said he was balding, so like imagine you're a kid and you start to see him bald, but like. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that's like a really interesting thing that hasn't been explored a hundred percent in terms of what was going on. But again, man, I'm I'm glad they did this. It shook the world. It had people weeping because like it's it's I mean, again he was such an integral part of a lot of our uh, uh, after school or again preschool experiences um, of of watching this character and and all the 
the things that he, he brought to the table. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was amazing, man. I watched it like three times. <laughs> I was like, damn, this is amazing. Uh, and it just felt good for Nick Jr. has been killing it. They really have. They just have simply been killing it. I think they, they in terms of uh, child content, uh, bro, everybody is singing Backyardigan songs at they're in their late <laughs> in their late goddamn 20s like yeah come on bro that's like not an easy thing um to get across you know so uh just kudos for them for even to, for even coming up with this idea to have steve to return to do something like this absolutely just well executed across the board again kudos to them it was it was incredibly a successful thing to do and a meaningful thing to do to, to sort of help close that chapter of people's lives that again we just never knew we needed that we never knew we you know needed to know what happened to steve closure but now as adults it's just like damn like y'all really that that is that is that's how you that's how you stick the landing to mm -hmm. something so just incredibly well done um and and last but not least you know our last news item of this week uh we, we definitely got to spend some time um talking about the late great michael k williams um who i mean literally we we recorded last week and found out the news right after we finished recording mm -hmm. so we we couldn't talk about it last week um you know the tragic passing of michael k williams um just an incredible legend in the world of particularly television but also did a lot of film work as well um I, I, everybody knows at this point that you know he played omar little on the wire yeah. truly one of the most memorable vulnerable and iconic television characters ever you know w without without question um he also continued with hbo and actually played uh, chalky white mm -hmm. on boardwalk empire which was also an, a, a tremendous importance v tremendous role for him very underrated i think yeah. um I, I want more people hopefully now you know people can like tap into boardwalk empire because it's something that, that that was really special to be able to hold his own in that type of show was 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 incredibly impressive um, he was also most recently in Lovecraft Country, which a lot of us watched last yes, year. Sir. Um, was really taken aback by by his incredible performance there. Um, he was in When They See Us. He was in The Night Of, also on HBO. Um, he he earned a lot of Emmy Award nominations for for many of his performances. Just truly, truly a one of a kind actor that that touched so many different types of roles and. Gave us a level of, I think, vulnerability to him as a performer and him yeah. as a person that we just usually never see. Uh, and and if you've seen his face, you 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 he's instantly recognizable. If you didn't know his name, you you knew his face because you you can't you can't miss him um, because he he doesn't look like anybody else on TV and he always just delivered just the most uh, visceral performances. I think you know seeing in a lot of these prestige era TV shows, he's kind of like. I mean, he's kind of like the king of prestige era television. Mm -hmm. You know, The Wire was like in that early phase yep. of like these, you know, prestige dramas rolling out, mm -hmm. Sopranos, you know, and others. He was in an episode eyes. of The Sopranos. He, yes, 100%, right? <laughs> and, and and he continued with them for 20 plus years. I mean, he's been he's been here. He's mm -hmm. been a mainstay. And again, he's been in several films as well. He was in 12 Years a Slave, uh, Inherent Vice, Motherless Brooklyn, Gone Baby Gone. He's done film work too, but he really made his name, I think, in the TV world. And yeah. just truly sad tragic loss way too early age 54 um and they they found him um unfortunately passed away in his in, in his new york city apartment and the only other thing that i'll mention too that you know many people don't know probably about him is just the amount of community work that he did mm, he was mm -hmm. a huge huge figure in the in the in the you know sort of the community service space doing work out in the streets you yeah. know whether it was stuff with black lives matter whether it was with like poverty and homelessness and education like 
he was out here, y'all. Like he was working hard, like in these streets. And I, I didn't know that much about it until like obviously researching, you know, for this show and just reading up more about him. But he was really boots on the ground. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise to go him and see him out at a at a rally or at a protest. Like mm-hmm. he was one of those celebrities that it it don't matter how famous he is, he's gonna be out there, you know, and he's gonna again have his boots on the ground. So not only somebody that we lost that was just immensely talented in the world of you know television and film, but also an important black figure yeah. in the community um and a mentor and a and a leader and a you know almost a philanthropist in that way just it's just really sad you know and and, and a shame to lose him at such a young age yeah man it's so you know you're talking about all the work he did there's a reason he picked up that role and when they see us right the ava duvernay miniseries like he he just he was another one of those people who chose a role for a reason every single time he's never like i can't i literally can't think in my head a time where i was like no he just did that for money everything he did it was to tell a message he literally paid one of the best characters in tele in television history one of the best characters in television history and that will never be forgotten in omar little bro he he literally helped soften soften the blow of uh, homophobia in the black community that's like omar's almost whole thing right it's like this mm-hmm. it's like dang you can be a uh uh from the hood and gay like that's both things can exist at the same time and so uh just just to be able um um to understand and for him to be able to go into those characters and give us these things are, are so important he kind of played not not necessarily a a similar character but still a black gay man and in a lovecraft country you know like mm-hmm. he he purposely was wanted to have these conversations on screen so people could have the conversations in real life and that is that doesn't speak to your character i don't know what does you know because again i just said it, a lot of people they a lot of actors do it for the money but this man he did it because he loved it and he loved the conversations that people would have um um from that man i mean he was he was just so he was he just did so much and, and which is crazy because when you if you look at his like filmography, it's like, dang, he didn't have to do that much to be as impactful as he is because he was that he he was that accurate. You know, he he always did everything with precision. If Michael K. Williams popped up, I was like, it's going to be 100 no matter what he does. He's going to give 100 percent of that. When I seen him cast cast in Lovecraft Country, I said he's going to be my favorite. I was like, he's going to be one of my favorite parts of the show. There's no way he's not. And of course he is, you know, because he 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 provides he provides those layers to uh, to everything um, that he's always done, man. So, yeah, we're we're, this is, again, tremendously sad. Um, I bro, we had just talked about him because we had just seen him at the DMX Memorial. um, Yeah. Like, what was that? Two weeks before that. No, not two weeks, but like two months, three months, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, prior. It was like, dude. What I I just like seriously can't believe it. Um, again, you never know what what anyone is going through, right? Uh, uh, re- re- as of right now, again, reported possible drug overdose. Um, and it, it happens way too often with a lot of our favorite uh, celebrities, man. It really does. Sub- substance abuse is just out of control nowadays. Um, but uh, you know, all in all, I had this this we're, we're, we lost a legend, um, and we're gonna feel it. We really are. Like w- w- whatever the next award show or anything is we're, we're really going to feel um the the effects of losing uh the one and only michael k williams man yeah without a doubt uh not much more to say i mean about that it, it's still something that's you know hard to cope with because he he left such an imprint on so many things he did that he did all of his all of his works uh again just very 
very much a defining character actor over the past 20 plus years across film and television so it's it's incredibly sad to see him go but certainly our condolences and our thoughts to all of his family and friends in this in this very difficult time and definitely rest in peace to michael k williams and ladies and gentlemen with that said this is all we got for this week that's all we got for this episode of two black nerds we are officially down and out definitely appreciate y'all for sticking with us and rocking with us again we will be back next week to talk about all the brand new stuff that comes out of course what if we'll be back to talk about that any other movies and tv shows that we check out but until then man yeah definitely um stay tuned with us on social media hit us up let us know what you think about any of the stuff that we talked about and we'll be back next week absolutely i'ma keep hyping this discord up y'all because there are conversations being had they're super fun we talked to, we had some uh, conversation about sweet life la a little bit of shang chi conversation i really want this to be um a forum for everybody to come and talk outside of your normal you know you know social media places man so please go to twobacknerds.com slash podcast and click on the discord link and join the discord to start having conversations with us today we appreciate it please join with that being said y'all we are audi 5000 and please remember always bet on black appreciate y'all love y'all thank you for listening to another episode of two black nerds where we're too black too nerdy and we out y'all Love upon me, live alone, leave it. Say, so I don't want no drip, baby, spray it like you need it. Oh, my, spicy, baby, jump up on this. I guess that's why you like it, baby, come and get this. Takes a lot to excite me, baby, give it all you got. I'm a tough cookie, baby, get the right side. Pop it, baby, twist it, darling. Do it like you mean it, darling. Keep it coming, ooh, keep it running.